Ben Benson. It's 35 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. President Trump's chief economic advisor is calling it quits. The White House confirmed yesterday that Gary Cohn is resigning. The president released a statement calling Cohn a rare talent who did a superb job. Resignation comes as Trump prepares to put a 25 percent tariff on steel imports and a 10 percent tariff on aluminum. Cohn, not a backer of that proposal. Residents are allowed to quit before. During the whole Charlottesville thing, because the he hated the way the president handled it. Being a Jewish fella, he wasn't really a big fan of support for white supremacists. But <laughs> steel tariffs, one step too far. <laughs> Racism, he came to terms with. The tariffs, no. That's his red line. I'm out. Plus, he got like some bank regulations passed and stuff like that. He's a he's a Goldman Sachs guy. Again, this is one of these things. Like, how far down the depth chart is this guy? And I'm getting to the point where I don't care. Like, Gary Cohn, who is no. this guy again? Dude, I mean, he's the head of economic policy. He was a huge big shot in the cabinet. Well, see, that shows you. I should know what this is, but I don't because it's happened so many times. I'm losing track. He was well, the guy it's, that it's they were using as the barometer early on for like adults in the room. A lot of people were giving him, like, you know, like... Like, at least he's there to, to rein everybody in. Right. It, uh, he was one of, like, three guys, and, and Kelly was always one of those guys, too. But then some of his, you know, um, decisions kind of made people think otherwise. But Gary Cohn was, it was a big, 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 big player there. So that was a... That was a uh, pro- probably a harbinger that they didn't want to see happen. Do you think that Trump at this point just has like a, a, an administrative assistant just to handle resignation paperwork? <laughs> I mean, there's like 64 at this point. I know. There's more turnover than the Browns. Brenda, we got another one. <laughs> We've lost another one. All right. Brenda quit too. <laughs> yeah. Amazon's Jeff Bezos is the world's richest man. Forbes puts him at the top of its 2018 list of billionaires with a net worth of $112 billion. Not only did he bump Bill Gates from the top spot, the Amazon founder is the first centibillionaire, according to the magazine, which is over $100 million of worth, which I can't believe he's the first. Uh, Gates dropped to second place with an estimated $90 billion fortune. Investor Warren Buffett claimed the third spot with $84 billion. Forbes says there are more than 2,200 billionaires worldwide who hold a combined net worth of over $9 trillion. Residents are allowed back in their homes after a train versus truck accident in Centerville, Washington County. Investigators say crews are still working to clean up the acid that spilled out of that tanker on the uh, on the truck that was struck around 11 a.m. yesterday. Officials estimate between one and two thousand gallons of hydrochloric acid spilled. Responders say the truck's driver had to be flown to a Pittsburgh hospital with serious injuries. Eight others were treated for exposure to that acid. The doors of Solovo Wellness Medical Marijuana Dispensary will reopen in Squirrel Hill today, but they won't have any inventory available. Officials there say the staff will be available for consultations and meetings while they wait for a delivery from the Commonwealth's only licensed marijuana grower. A second grower is expected to come online by mid-April. The U.S. military is facing a new challenge these days, a lack of physical fitness. Hmm. Amazingly, 71% of young Americans between the ages of 17 and 24 are ineligible to serve in the U.S. military, with nearly a third of them being too fat to enlist. (laughs) And when recruits do get accepted, many of them end up getting injured during training and during physical fitness tests, which include 
push-ups, sit-ups, and a two-mile run. Things have actually gotten so bad that the Army recently stopped requiring grenade throwing because recruits can't throw them for <laughs> Oh, my, oh my God. God almighty. The Just hand it off. The pirates immediately signed seven members <laughs> of the... All the everybody in the infantry is going to be doing the Ben DeLavion uh, shovel past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I whenever we did one of the uh, the USO tours, they uh, we were talking to a group of guys, and they were saying that some of their fitness requirements they've even you know loosened and lax. Like that, I could have passed one of them. I I looked that up. It's not that bad. It's like you no. have to do like four pull ups in like two minutes, and like right. twenty push ups in two minutes, and run like a mile in eight minutes or something like that, which. I don't I know. That doesn't do that. seem like that rigorous to me. I always just thought, like, in my head, any branch of the military is like the Navy SEAL yeah. training. Like, you're carrying a boat into the you know the ocean as it's crashing on you and carrying logs and that kind of stuff. But it, it's it's not. According to you, porn, 24% of straight guys say they've watched gay porn. And no, that's, no, they're not straight. <laughs> well, And that's okay. I mean, if you accidentally see it, is that That's considered not, that, watching it? You're what not if you by the, accident I, watch a couple movies, the whole like the whole thing? <laughs> yeah, you're not checking the I watch gay porn box if you accidentally stumble upon How some gay porn. Pornos? By the way, I accidentally do lots of stuff, tons of stuff. I'm a klutz even. Never do I trip over myself and uh, you know fall down and all of a sudden I'm watching. I accidentally gay porn. got premium gas the other day. Doesn't mean my car needs premium gas. <laughs> I just accidentally got it. Right. Thirty nine percent of women have seen lesbian porn. They also found sixty five percent of uh, men and fifty nine percent of women have watched videos on their site with their significant other. An old interview in which O.J. Simpson gives a hypothetical account of how the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Rod Goldman occurred will air as part of a new TV special on Fox. The interview, which is several years old, was conducted by Judith Reagan, who published the book If I Did It, Confessions of a Killer. Simpson gives a hypothetical account of how he thinks the killer may have carried out the murders. But as TMZ observed, Simpson spends most of the interview speaking in third person, but does occasionally slip into first person account, which makes Oops. it seem more like a confession. During the interview, Simpson says the killer and an unnamed accomplice went to Nicole's house wearing masks and carrying a knife, but only tried to scare her. He says the killer then blacked out and woke up covered in blood. The entire interview will air on Fox this Sunday. So this is what I don't understand. So don't we have like the the notion of double jeopardy? So he's already been cleared of this crime. He's already been convicted of it. So he so he could just come out and just be like, yeah, I did it. Yeah. But then would you you'd have to there had to be some consequence for that. Wouldn't you get like perjury or something like that? Or the civil suit might even be affected to the point where they might like go back and reward goldman with more yeah because hmm. i remember not what, gotten i don't know what how much money he's 33 gotten million from, but. but he's supposed to he hasn't gotten anything yeah though. do you remember when whenever that book came out whenever he wrote that book uh if i did it whatever mm-hmm. well the goldman's sued the living daylights out of the um, publisher the publisher and actually the book changed titles and they got whatever sales hmm Good. From from that book, I forget what the title is now. Is it? it he just, definitely did it. Yeah, <laughs> I if don't I, know if it, I did it, 
It just feels like to me now they're just milking it dry. Like, and it, it sort of jumped the shark in terms. Like, it was nice to relive it. Well, not nice, but it was entertaining at least to think about it again with the people versus OJ Simpson. But now I feel like, I don't know. It's like Saved by the Bell, the college years. Yeah, it's just they're they're it's just doing it weird. to get a well, paycheck. Well, that's an old interview, right? Yeah, it's from when she wrote the book. Yeah. I think yeah. that they took the title and just crossed out if, like the book, <laughs> it, and it just said I did it. Did it. I'm, I'm serious about that. Just short of their 20th wedding anniversary, Jim Belushi's wife has filed for divorce, adding insult to injury. Jennifer Sloan filed papers in L.A. on Monday, March 5th. That was the 36th anniversary of the death of his brother, John Belushi. It's the old irreconcilable differences. That's I, the reason. Yeah, th- that guy. It, it, it. I can't believe what a big star he is to this day. Jim Belushi gets so much work, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Still? Yeah, really? What's he in now? I have, I mean, I knew he was on a couple shows. I don't know he's if he has a series stuff? right now. He but... doesn't have a series right now, but he's like always getting acting roles. And he's always popping up in movies, like that B, show, B like movies. what was it about Jim or something? I was just... yeah, but you know what? Those, it's like those shows run According for like you, you don't think about According it, but they run Jim. for like nine years. Yeah, like you don't even it, you don't even blink at it. But I mean, he has like three fully syndicated shows under his belt, so. Somebody at CBS is probably like, well, people might say they don't like him, but obviously somebody likes him because enough people are watching that we can throw this in syndication. I read an interview with Martin Short recently, and he said something about Jim Belushi that blew me away because, you know, obviously being the brother of John Belushi, tough task, tough card to draw, tough to live up to, to, right, to to your brother's legacy. But Martin Short said that he was talking to him, uh, and Jim Belushi thought, like, when he left Second City, that Second City as a theater was going to crumble. Like, Close. ah, they don't have anybody left there. I was the last star they had. Now I'm going to SNL. And he was terrible on Saturday Night Live. Like, almost never did a funny thing. No, I don't either. He was on there for two seasons. Uh, one of them was the year Martin Short was there. And Martin Short was the reason he was telling the story is because Martin Short was saying that everybody at SNL has that attitude like, ah, they're never going to get by without me. I'm out of here. And it just keeps going and going. Mm-hmm. And he <laughs> said that Jim Belushi said that to him about Second City. And I was thinking to myself, Jim Belushi? Yeah, but don't you feel like everyone has that when you quit a job? You're like, you guys don't even know how much I make this right. place run. Like, right. this office depot is not, this loading dock is not going to clean <laughs> itself up once I'm out of here, man. <laughs> Wait a minute. Profits are up since I quit? Yeah. Uh, that can't be right. No, I, I mean, there was a period in my, in my childhood where I, honest to God, thought Jim Belushi was the biggest star on the planet Earth. Because I had seen Taking Care of Business mm. and Mr. Destiny, and I was like, this is the greatest actor ever. He's so funny. He's so relatable. Val, do you remember when we had him on the air that one time? I don't. We were playing the Blackhawks, and um, he called in about something related to it. And he had no idea. He didn't know anything about hockey, but he was like <laughs> pretending, pretending to be a big hockey fan. He had no clue what but was going. They always go to the games. I mean, they. Yeah, but there's like that whole group of Chicago, like it's like the cool thing to be a co- comic that went to Second City that wears a Blackhawks jersey. I feel like. Yeah, no, yeah, like Mike Myers. I think, uh, my, you know, my nieces go to the games too, and I, I don't think that they're the best. I mean, you got to at least pick up something. <laughs> something. You'd be surprised. He at didn't how know little like you could pick anybody up. on their team. I remember, I'm like. 
I, I was asking him questions about his squad. He had no idea who anybody was. He's like, like, well, I like that Jeremy Roenick. You're like, well, he doesn't play for you and hasn't since 1997. It well, was almost like that. And, he, and I think he said something to the effect of, I'm a, I'm a is pretty good. <laughs> glory years guy or something like that, you know. Finally, raise your spoons and grab the milk. Today is National Cereal Day. Uh, I had three fistfuls on the way out the door. <laughs> Dude, I just read something about the guy who invented Kellogg's cereal. Oh, yeah. This guy, the whole point of Kellogg's Mr. cereal Kellogg? was to stop people from pleasuring themselves. He was what? like a... <laughs> he thought this guy was a, a nutritionist, and he was like a... I don't know if he was a Puritan or whatever, but he thought that a meat-based diet led people to impure thoughts... So that the only way to combat that was to have them go to a fully grain diet, and that's how he invented Kellogg's cereal. And a- <laughs> he was into like all sorts of like like ter- like castration and like it like uh, all this wow. crazy stuff. There's a it just merely taints the your oat bran, you know, <laughs> like in more ways yeah. than one. Yeah. Um, it's there's a movie about it with Anthony Hopkins and uh, Dana Carvey. Really? Too. What a weird cast. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's all about that. And it's yeah, it's a strange thing. Is it called the Human Stain? <laughs> I don't know that it is. I, I don't. Uh but it, it's all about the Kellogg's combining the sort of puritanical views with nutrition and he had like a uh um uh sanitarium yeah. in Michigan and they all like all these people would go there. In an effort to overcome whatever was ailing them, and a lot of times it was like I can't people, stop fapping. No, that was there. <laughs> yeah, have yeah. this uh, <laughs> bowl of cornflakes. That was legitimately <laughs> who went there, though. Oh, uh. Forecast today: rain or snow. Forty for the high. It's thirty-seven in DV. <laughs> the road to Wellville is called. Oh, okay. The road yeah. to Wellville. It was like oh, a, that's on cable right now. Is it? Well, I think so. It's all about Kellogg's and masturbation. That's so crazy. enjoy. What more could you ask for? Yeah. Ha- have a blast with that. Uh, Jeff Conkle hanging out with us here, Mr. Wednesday. You shake at his touch and you tremble at what he might say. I do. This is what they used to play in Kellogg's and anti-whack san- sanitarium. Mr. Wednesday. Yes, you're looking for Mr. Wednesday. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle uh, hanging with us here. There's a guy in the paper. It's uh, time to do a little uh, dad perspective for you guys. Guy that's uh, being roasted around the country right now, Virginia father, because he posted a video on Facebook and went viral, which shows his 10-year-old son running to school in the rain as punishment for being a bully. Hayden Thornell was suspended from the school bus for three days last week. So the mile-long trip to school, his dad, Brian Thornhill, made him run. And then he filmed him running, and he put it on Facebook and said, you know, this is what you get if you're a bully. 33-year-old father saying, yep, this is what you get, buddy. This is the You have to overcome the circumstances you put yourself in. Uh, He's (laughs) driving behind him in a car while the kid's running. Like Terry Fox, except a, a very tiny Terry Fox, Val. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's getting roasted. Dude's getting roasted. You, you, really? You, I would think this would be like, oh, this guy, he gets Finally, it. Yeah. a return to normalcy. Well, I, I, I guarantee the, you the people 
there are people who are praising him, but it is the yeah. the definite archetypal person that you guys are are talking about is taking him to task. I don't have a problem with the lesson. I think where he got himself in trouble is when he taped it and put it on uh, <laughs> Facebook. Hundred well, percent. Honestly, like think think about that though, because now it it seems like it's it's tainted and he's doing it for himself. Right. Why else would you do that? But but to say, man, hey, look, look how me. awesome I'm a dad. Look how great of a dad I am. I'm setting an example. Like there's no other reason for it. And now you're really embarrassing. I mean, it's it's going to be enough to embarrass your kid into different behavior. But now you're adding a whole other macro level to it when you share it with the entire world. I don't now get you're these you're cyber bullying your son. This right here is just old fashioned parenting. That's what he says. Do you understand these people that film their children just in general and put them on Facebook? Like, after the dentist or, like, no, you know, send their stuff I to mean, the Jimmy I mean, I'm happy Kimmel those or... people did, but here's, yeah. here's, here's the dad uh, talking as he's filmed. Tolerate, cannot stand, and therefore he has to now run to school. Um, we're right about one mile from the school. So all week, he's got the experience of running to school. Ironically, since he's been running to school this week, his behavior's been much better. His teachers have approved um, of his behavior this week. He hasn't gotten in trouble at school this week, where last week he was just absolutely out of his mind. But this right here is just old school, simple parenting. This ain't killing nobody. This is a healthy way for a child to be punished because it's, you know, exercise. If you say we need gun control, people, you know, here you go. This is what we need, parenting. Um, proud gun supporter, love guns and everything else, but I love my what? children more than anything in this world. So I'm going to take initiative to raise them. You know, um, I can't lock them in my safe like I can guns. Uh, you know, I can control guns easily forever. <laughs> it sounds like this kid's this getting off easy fun. now. Well, this, I mean, this sounds like he was going to pull a Joe Pesci and Goodfellas and start shooting at his feet like, <laughs> hey, hurry it up, pow, pow. <laughs> Why are you treating his son like spider? So he is claiming he's saving his kid from becoming a school shooter one day because he's parenting him. See, I think he's uh, mixing and matching here. We we got to stick to one topic. Yeah. Is it child discipline or is it school shooters? See, personally, I support the steel tariffs. That's why I'm making my son run. <laughs> Y'all say black lives matter, but I think all lives matter. What does that have to do with this? Well, this listen, I mean, I, I get the sentiment. Like, there there is one th I think one thing that I would not tolerate is either one of my sons like really bullying someone but i think you have to I, there has to be some context here because i think i was talking about this last night i think bullying gets thrown out there as a blanket statement for any mistreatment my point would be is that i i really want my sons to only bully people for things that those people themselves can help like if they, if they can't help whatever their situation is then that's fine but that you shouldn't be you shouldn't be doing that but if there's a conflict and they need to you know, uh, be aggressive yeah. or whatever. I'm not. I'm not a big. I'm not. I don't care about that. Well, also, I, I always considered bullying to be a recurring act. Like if somebody is a bully, that means you, that they mess with people every all day, all the time. Yeah. And and it, like now in school, there's this hyper awareness of it. So one single act could be construed as. I, I see what the parent is saying because what he's saying is basically, we got to be on the front lines of. Our kids yeah, discipline and, and and what they're getting into and and they're, that definitely could you could extrapolate that out to you know these school shooters don't have any discipline at home. There's probably not a father present. The parents are not paying attention to what they're doing. They're depressed. Maybe they get put on meds and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't have a son, so I I would never make my daughters run to school. I 100% agree with you though that the nobody has a problem with the punishment. It's the putting it on video yeah. and then when on, you try uh, to go viral. By the way, I might have the as you pointed out, Jeff, might have the opposite effect than what your uh, desired result is here. He, he he actually might be now more embarrassed, more emotionally oh sort my, of yeah, affected by this that. than he would be otherwise. Now, in the, in the parents' defense, he doesn't think this is going national. He's, he didn't put this on the ABC Evening News, but um, we're talking about it. But he put it on. Once you put stuff on Facebook, it it can go viral. But it, and he has granted permission, by the way. I should add for the Washington Post where I'd show the kids. It. Yeah, they're showing the video and the pictures of him and the kids. So. But that's it. Don't, you know, you would, Bill. You might corroborate this but don't you think like everyone's i feel like down on shame right about now you can't shame anyone shame Shame is is a crucial point and tool within parenting i think in moderate doses like i remember i i stole a little rubber dinosaur when i was like six years old from the carnegie museum and my parents made me go back in and tell the cashier that I stole it and put it back. And I was oh, like awesome. weeping. It, like it's like one of the most like traumatic moments yeah. of my life. But I can't. I literally feel like I can't get away with stealing anything anymore. Like right. since I've been five years old. So it worked. Did your dad go up to the cashier afterwards and go, "Look, I can't lock them in a safe." So <laughs> I know he did the best I can. He had a VHS camcorder and was going to send it into Bob Saget at America's Funniest Home Videos. I'm I'm kind of handcuffed because I I thought that I I I was. Was like man i can't wait to spank my kids i'm gonna be like this authoritarian dad and then you know serena is this this new wave Defend, parent yeah. where she has the do better chair and you know there's all these studies <laughs> out it. that that physical discipline does not work on the kids so i'm like oh, okay well the pro- i gotta rethink all this the problem is is that my children are both going to be taller and bigger and heavier and stronger than me by the time they're about 14 years old so mm. i feel like i need to establish dominance yeah. like way way you get in their head, yeah, dude. i have to get way in their heads <laughs> all right quick break we're coming back sports mike pursuit of dv dve sports Mike, we're with your sports right now. I got no big, big lead in. That's it. I didn't watch. <laughs> I, I didn't watch any sports last night. Well, Le'Veon Bell. The well, Le'Veon Bell stuff, I guess. That's, but that's the big news. Well, let's start with the hockey because that's actually not nonsensical gargonzola. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's what I the agree. Bell stuff is. He's out of his mind yeah, right now. He's really. I, every time this guy opens his mouth, I think do the Steelers really want to be associated with this clown. He's an idiot. Understanding that he's uh, one of the best players in the league, but as I said. We're starting with hockey, which okay. is going to be played tonight in Philadelphia. Let's go. Penguins at the Philadelphia Flyers, 8 o'clock on your Penn's flagship, 105.9 The X. The Penguins are 19-7-1 in their last 27 games. That's since January the 2nd. That's a streak that started with a 5-1 win in Philadelphia. Penguins are 13-6-2 in their last 21 in Philly, and they are 2-0 against the Flyers this season. They won. They won five to four here on November the twenty seventh, and five to one in that uh, January second game. It's playoff atmosphere tonight. Seems like it. Uh, if the Penguins don't win the Metropolitan Division, there's a pretty good chance they'll finish either second or third, and uh, there's a pretty good chance the Flyers will be in that same position, either second or third. And if that's the case, they're playing in the first round. But it's not a guarantee. The Capitals losers in Anaheim last night, four to nothing. Lead the division with 81 points. The Penguins have 80. Philadelphia has 79. And the Devils, who beat Montreal 6-4 last night, have 76 points. 
The Pens and Devils have played seven, 67 games. The Flyers and Capitals have played 66 games. Three-team race at least, maybe a four-team race. It's going to be fun. A lot of compression right there. Yeah. And, Pens uh, have got to pick up their game, too. they got to play better. Jari and Net? Uh, one would assume after winning the last two. Uh, they never announced that until the day of. But Starting to get nervous about Matt Milley? No. He's skated like two practices in a row. He just needs to take shots, right, at this point. Like he hasn't taken like a full practice. But he he's has been not practiced with the team. Yeah. Right. Um, I heard uh, Jason Mackey on with Adam Crowley yesterday afternoon, and he said he was driving to Philly, and he said he'd been there a million times, and it was the first time he could remember that it was a big game. Like mm, something was on right. the table. So it, it's not winner take all, but it, yeah, it's time. It's been to, five or six years. It's time to uh, make a little bit of a statement, send a little bit of a message. Whatever you do with, to a team that you might well play in the playoffs, just before said playoffs, and uh, you know the citizenry ought to be drooling cheesesteak after uh, winning the Super Bowl, and the Flyers picking it up, right. and the Sixers picking it up. Could be fun tonight. Drill and cheese. <laughs> oh, yeah. They'll be at their most obnoxious, guaranteed. In a Foles jersey, sucker punching somebody in the parking lot. <laughs> Did you catch uh, what Le'Veon Bell had to say to Billboard magazine? Yeah, yes. he's an idiot. Yes. About his music or what? <laughs> well, he, he, the Steelers uh, placed uh, the franchise tag upon Bell yesterday, so he's going to be. Uh, an indentured servant uh, compensated at $14.5 million. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, man. Uh, he was talking about uh, his music with Billboard, and uh, one of the things he's whining about now is why his teammates, or how his teammates, I should say, didn't really support him the way he thought they should have. Oh, uh, it's their fault. When he started rapping, quote, obviously like when I was first making music, when I said that line, that's how I felt at the time. People weren't like even my own teammates weren't necessarily posting my music or pushing my music. My God, go away. Because everybody figured it was a joke. I would be so okay with the Steelers getting rid of him. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Teammates are starting to come around, Bell tells Billboard magazine. You know, a little bit. I ain't saying it's as much as it should be, but it's better. Le'Veon Bell considers himself, among other things, the best rapping athlete on the planet. Oh, my God. Quote, I don't think it's even close. I can give you lyrical songs, hits. Club, strip club, mu music. It's so much different styles. A lot of guys like one lane is what they're good at. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of like saying I got the best smelling fart. I mean, <laughs> athletes are not good rappers. Rappers aren't good rappers. Well, I can disagree with you on that. Uh, regarding his uh, receiving of the franchise tag, it was just anticipated when Bell talked to Billboard magazine as opposed to an actual fact, he says, quote, when the end of July comes, wherever we're at, if I sign, everybody will be happy. But if not, I guess I got to play it by ear. If I'll be out till week one, if I'll be out till week 10, or if I'm going to be out there at all. It depends on how I feel at that time and moment. Yikes. This is really a horrible PR campaign for him. Yeah. I don't really understand. Like, I feel like he's kind of hemmed in option-wise. I mean, what what are really his options? He can't hold out for more than that. Because yeah, if he, if he holds he can out retire. and doesn't sign, no one's going to sign him back. He can retire or he can shut up and play. That's what I mean. Like, I, yeah. I'm usually, not a big fan of the shut up and dribble movement or whatever that line was. But in this case, I would be highly in favor. 
<laughs> that typically uh, applies to athletes who are speaking out on political matters. Social this is just a guy who's talking. This is a guy, just shut up. You just, just don't want yeah, to hear him anymore. Just don't speak. Just <laughs> shut the F up. He is annoying. Oh, my God. He's so annoying. You know how Terry Bradshaw came out and told Ben to put his uh, his motorcycle away until yeah. he's done playing? Maybe somebody can come out and be like, hey, Lavia, no more rap until you're done. Hang, or hang up the recording studio. Be done and go be a rapper. He messed up so bad last year because he wanted the status of being the highest paid guy in terms of being able to say, uh, I- I'm the number one paid running back and I'm paid like a number two ri- wide receiver. That's what this is. Nobody's it's, ever it's gotten status. that before and that's what I got. And it was all a status thing. They had a good deal with guaranteed money yeah. that the Steelers actually, they might end up in a better situation but now because that dumb dumb didn't sign the contract yeah, last year. It might. Because after this year, do you want to spend fourteen million on Levy on Bell? I mean, per do you in a long term contract? Do you want to spend the fourteen this year? I mean, they're going to be in a little bit of a bind now. They're going to have yeah. to nine cut million some over. Guys. Yeah, that's got that's got to be dealt with by March fourteenth. Are um, they are they a better team with him on the field? What, are they what are more op- dynamic? What are my options? I mean, having last- him or not having him. Well, yeah, you're definitely but better having financial? him. But if you if you don't have him. What else do you have instead? Right. Last year proved that there's a lot of uh, very talented running backs that can be cultivated. I mean, there was yeah. like three or four other guys that were at least close to being as talented as, I mean, as he could, was. You could make some moves in free agency with $14.5 million. I'm Also, I'm used to uh, the general public not always having the best takes on particular situations. But if I hear one more person say, we need to sign Lev Bell... Franchise tag him uh, for the year and then trade him f- for Barkley. Like what? That, the, that doesn't even make sense. They think you, this is an argument that is going around with a lot of Steeler fans. Oh, you trade him to Cleveland because that's where Todd Haley is, and he he loves Lev Bell. And then you get Saquon Barkley, who they're going to take number one because that's what they would do. A guy who has to sign to a has a get you know a contract cap for how many years is it when you come in the league? Is it like four years? Three years or four years? Four or five? Three, four or five depends. <laughs> There's no way anybody is going to do that. Oh, I don't know. For one year? Well, no. We, what you probably have to do is sign up to a long term deal. But the Browns, yeah. the Browns have a ton of salary cap. So like, much money. What is it? Seventy, eighty? Yeah. Uh, it's. It's, a, it's an absurd number. Approaching 100 Because it mil. carries over when you don't yeah. spend it. And they haven't been spending it. So they, if they were looking to make a splash, they could afford him. I mean, they, they could give him five years, 15 a year, what he wants. And uh, When you're starting from point zero, which is where the Browns are, literally, then you don't need to have Lev Bell come in. You're way better off to have some a guy like that who can grow with your team but also, and not have all the tread on the tires. Look at their track record, though, of picking talent. It's horrific. So why not go with a absolutely established, established talent, talent that yeah. you know works? Yeah, it's, it's a good call. I think it's a terrible. He's uh, an all-pro player. What do you think uh, the Cleveland Brown fans would think if they got Le'Veon Bell? They'd be dancing in the street. They'd probably have another parade. They'd be I, rapping in the street. Yeah. Because, you know, like club, strip club, lyrical. Mm-hmm. They'd be in a lot of lanes. And again, you think that Lev Bell is bitchy right now. Imagine if he's on a 5-11 and 11 team. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
See, this, this is the problem because you, you hit the nail on the head. This is about status. This isn't about the money necessarily. It's about what the money represents because I heard Odell Beckham talking to, on, on this one interview where he said he wants 20 mil a year because AB got 17. So now he's saying, all right, well, I've gotten more yards from scrimmage since I've been in the league than AB has. I'm, the more I think about this, I'm amazed the Steelers have come as far as they have. In their attempts to keep him, that, that they obviously really value him. Thirteen point three—that's an astounding figure for a running. Don't back. you think, though, if you are in a sport where literally one injury can ruin your financial life, Agreed. if someone threw guaranteed money at you, yeah. that's or, why I'd be a horrible negotiator. They'd be like, "You want a million guaranteed? Yeah, deal." Or I'm one suspension. Yeah, uh, We're yeah. smoking too much dope that's again. Right. I heard the running backs on NFL Network railing about this, though. Terrell Davis and uh, LT, they were basically saying, hey, every position gets hurt. Quarterbacks get hurt. Receivers get hurt. Why is it with running backs? They say, oh, there's a potential injury, and he's he's no good. He's uh, he's on the shelf forever. Uh, I don't know that they say that, but this guy has been hurt multiple times. And... Yeah, history has shown us that, guys, when you lose a step, it makes a huge difference yes. in the NFL. No especially question coming about out of that. the backfield. Uh, Val's got news coming up top of the hour. Being rich is written all over your face. We'll talk about that coming up. Rain or snow, 40 for the high today. It's 34 at DV. A lot of Penguin talk this morning. Kevin Stevens joins us at 745. Phil Bork, 845, double M at 945. On your 45s, a lot of Penguin talk. DV morning show. We're all <laughs> mad at Le'Veon Bell right now. We, we all want to smack him. Smack some sense into him. Well, I just want to hold him to his own word. If he I just said want to hold him and cuddle him and just <laughs> cradle him. No, I mean he said he wants to be a Steeler for life. Right. Okay, well then you got to compromise a little bit. You got to sign on the dotted line for the money they offered. No question. Uh, Jeff Conkle with us. It's uh, Mr. Wednesday, live in studio. The English language keeps changing, but for the better. I don't know. No. Uh, I read a, a book. A long time ago, like uh, 15 years ago by this guy, John McWhorter, who's like one of the foremost linguists in the country. I think he teaches at Columbia now, and he's all about like the evolution of language. And the book was called The Devolution of the English Language and Why You Should Like Um Care. And it was this great book. Um and I got it at City Lights in San Francisco. You know, that's oh, one of yeah, the, that famous mm-hmm. bookstore. Yeah, you go into that bookstore and you just find books that you would never want to buy. Right. And then it just makes you feel cool because you're buying it from City Lights. Yeah. And it's really hard to read outside of that bookstore. <laughs> you're like, ugh, probably should have stayed <laughs> When there. I was in that bohemian phase, this seemed like a good idea. This looked really good in my hand. But it wasn't actually uh, an entertaining book. And it was uh, it was easy to read, but it had some great points about English language and how it actually evolves and what we see as a de-evolution a lot of times is just how the, the language is evolving. Don't forget, this is not science. These are made up rules. So uh, I stopped being, uh, you know, grammar Nazi and stuff like that after reading that, like, oh, well, this is just kind of what happens. I mean, I will be a little bit with people that, you know, they're certain, like, I think you should be able to spell the theirs and the yours. Um, <laughs> but in that book, he has highlights of senators speaking in the rush to war in World War II and how eloquent these people were in a time of need. And then he juxtaposed that with (laughs) the run-up to the Iraqi War. And it was incredible how 
these elected officials had gone from what seemed like scripted, beautiful sonnets, oratory to guys saying stuff uh, akin to, <clears throat> um, you know, if um, <clears throat> that's Adam, uh, fella, uh, that guy over there, uh, if he, um, and it's he has it all annotated that way. So I don't see it so much as, as uh, like, oh, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. We don't know how to speak the English language anymore. I see it as this is where it's going. However, each and every year when Merriam-Webster puts out the list of new words that go in to the dictionary, I still can't help but be like, no. No, not that word. Not that word. Some of them, you know, it is what it is. Like cryptocurrency, we got to know what that sure. is. You know, going forward, that might become a big thing. I don't think it will be, but it might be. Um, is that like Bitcoin? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm a DJ, so what do I know? Cryptocurrency, any form of currency that exists digitally only using a decentralized system to record transactions. Okay, uh, I'm all right with that. How do you feel about life hack being put in there? I think we have a word for that. It's called tip. Yeah, <laughs> here's a, a tip. tip for you. But the problem is, you know, once people start using it a lot, you have to have a, a frame of reference you for it. You have to understand to, what they mean. Right. Uh, we all know what life hack is, a usually simple and clever tip or technique <laughs> for accomplishing some familiar task more easily and efficiently. Um, Val, you probably like this one, mansplain. <laughs> what is that? Can I someone hate, mansplain I, that to it's me? It's basically because... you explaining something to a female that she already knows. Right, Val? In a condescending way. Um. Yeah, I've been accused of mansplaining many times by my girlfriends. Like, oh, that's different from manspreading. Right. <laughs> no. Manspreading is when you like sit on a bus or a crowded area and just open oh, wide. Oh, I was going right? to say. Oh, sure. Totally different. Yes, that's when you spread your legs. Uh, to, There's something descending there, too. To explain something to a woman. <laughs> in a uh, hate watch. To watch and take pleasure in laughing at or criticizing. Yeah, hate, hate watching. I feel like that's what YouTube was built on, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Glamping. What's glamping? Glamorous camping. Glamorous camping. It's camping, wow. camping with an extension cord, essentially. That's right. Well, then I've been glamping <clears throat> this whole time. And dumpster fire made it in there. Dumpster fire. We're going to hell in a dumpster. Dumpster fire. The utterly calamitous or mismanaged situation or occurrence. So cluster F didn't really make the cut. No, on this it, one, not so. this time. <laughs> See Cleveland Browns in there. for reference. Right. Just a picture of the Browns front office. What I don't understand, Val, is how does a f life hack seems like a phrase. Not so a does dumpster fire. Yeah. I mean, hate watch at least has a hyphen in the middle of it. Life hack is just two words. Like the dumpster fire is just two words. Don't you feel like with this thing, like it, like how big is this dictionary going to get? Like I feel like they should have a rule that if you add a word, you have to get rid of a word. Yeah, you got to take one out. Ooh, I do that when uh, when I buy a shirt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like now that we have life hack, we have to get rid of bequeath. I'm all right. We're with done it. with bequeath. That's yeah. that's that's done. Yeah. <clears throat> Nobody uses it anyways. I mean, I think well, when you we, die, we, we've been at uh, we've been at capacity for a while. On the words. There are a lot of words. Well, yeah, but the, like, were you guys vote? Like, I, that's the one thing I was good at 
in school was just good with words. Like on the SAT, I did very well with that, horrific and every other thing. But I find that sometimes I'm like Randy, like I, I like having a, a big vocabulary and using it, but it makes you seem like a D-bag sometimes oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. because I, like, I, I remember I was trying to describe somebody as having like ill intent and I was talking and the word that came up in my mind was pernicious. And I was like, don't say pernicious out loud. <laughs> Do not say pernicious out loud. And then I said it and I was like, oh God, like I seem like such an a-hole. But don't you also you gotta think have that that's more good for your comedy? Like that. if you use the word pernicious on stage, that's a much better word than right. anything else. Typically, the more descriptive you get with comedy, the the funnier the word is just because it, it takes people to an exact place where you want them to go and it, it leaves no uh, vagaries about it. But you also have to know where you are too. Like if you did that, if you said I pernicious said, at the arcade, right? Huge laugh. Fire hall. I don't know. They might Ar- be like, "What's that pernicious? Don't be uh, up there doing all that smart stuff." <laughs> it's a Frank Zappa word. It was I didn't come here to words. read. <laughs> uh, Jeff Cockle, speaking of comedy, what do you got coming up? Uh, March 9th, uh, Bill and I are going to be at level twenty with Mike Travers. Uh, really looking forward that's to this. this. That's this yeah. Friday. Yeah, so we're gonna have a good time there. I forget who else is on the show, but that should be Mike enough. Travers. Yeah, yeah, Mike Travers is on the show, and uh, we're raising money for a good cause. Awesome. All right, good deal, Mr. Wednesday for you. Val's got your news next. What are you talking about, Val? Well, being rich is written all over your face. I'll tell you all about that. Uh, we got Kevin Stevens coming up at seven forty-five, featured on, uh, uh, well, in Jason Mackey's feature on Post Gazette the other day, and he's really making a comeback. Uh, in terms of, well, just becoming a member of, functioning member of society so again, and a part of the Penguins organization, and he is really uh, becoming a missionary of sorts, uh, and uh, quite a redemption story. So it'll be great to talk with Kevin Stevens coming up, 745, Phil Bork, 845. And Benson. It's 35 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by Giant Eagle Curbside Express. As you've heard, we are presenting... One iHeartRadio Music Award every day this week leading up to the show. Today we announced the winner for Rock Song of the Year. The nominations were Go to War by Nothing More, Help by Papa Roach, Run by Foo Fighters, RX Medicate by Theory of a Dead Man, and Song 3 by Stone Sour. And the iHeartRadio Music Award goes to... I feel like there should be a drum roll. (laughs) Foo Fighters for Run. Hey everybody, we're the Foo Fighters. And uh, we'd like to thank iHeartRadio and all the fans for giving us the Rock Song of the Year Award for our song, Run. Thank you very much. To see many, many more of the artists you love receive an iHeartRadio Music Award and once-in-a-lifetime moments, tune in to watch live this Sunday at 8 p.m. on TBS, TNT, and True TV. Our jingle is the newest jingle I have stuck in my head. I'll walk around my house at different points in the day and just go... I heart radio. It's pretty catchy. Yeah. Sing the harmony to it. Uh, I can't. All right. Another nor'easter is barreling toward the northeast. Forecasters say it won't be nearly as nasty as last week's deadly storm. The nor'easter is due to slam the region today and tomorrow, bringing plenty of wind, rain, and snow, but it is likely to be a little more of a typical winter storm than last week's. Former Vice President Joe Biden, the latest political star to stump for a candidate hoping to represent the 18th Congressional District in PA. Biden spoke alongside Democratic candidate Connor Lamb at two events yesterday with a special election against Republican 
Republican Rick Saccone. Less than a week away, Saccone has had support from VP Mike Pence and first daughter Ivanka Trump in previous weeks. And President Donald Trump is planning to visit Moon Township this Saturday. Longtime Trump confidant Roger Stone is distancing himself from a former (laughs) Trump aide who vowed to protect Stone in the Russia probe. Stone publicly backed away from Sam Nunberg after the former campaign advisor appeared on cable news on Monday. Nunberg said he would not be cooperating with a subpoena issued by special counsel Robert Mueller, but he did backtrack and say, well, yeah, I, I probably will. Uh, he also said he would do what he could to protect Roger Stone. Stone says he has no idea what protection Nunberg is talking about. But apparently Nunberg met Donald Trump a long time ago when he was just a boy. First time I met Donald Trump, I was five years old at WrestleMania five. We were sitting right <laughs> behind Trump and he had us move to the first row at another section. And it was actually funny because I ended up getting on the video. For WrestleMania with my father, we were doing like the Bushwhacker. <laughs> Dude, you remember what they used to do? The oh, yeah. that was awesome. That video was hilarious. I, you know, he's indoctrinated at a very young age. There was no way. Became a he big was fan. not going to become that guy. To me, like, there's one thing where like Obama's rise to become the president is crazy. The audacity of hope is a is an inspirational story but to me the more unlikely story is trump becoming president i mean that that road was incredible to go from wrestlemania 5 to the white house come on it would be great if he had all those wrestlers in his cabinet because <laughs> jesse ventura does. was in that wrestlemania by the way I wish he did have those wrestlers in his cabinet. I mean, this guy, Sam Nunberg and uh, Scaramucci, were a little bit wrestlery. Yeah. I mean, the Mooch. They're all wrestlery. The Mooch, he had a name. He had, like, a wrestler name. Dude, the one guy, the Secretary of the Interior, he has a flag go up every time he comes. If he shows up, (laughs) he demands a flag be raised. They're all spending money wildly. They're all insane wrestlers. Is it an American flag or his own flag? No, it's the Secretary of Interior flag, which isn't even a... there was such a thing. Yeah, nobody did. (laughs) And he demands it's raised. Then there's that Mnuchin guy. Are you kidding me? Like, he's not a wrestler with his wife, the money-grubbing, gold-digging lady. They're perfect wrestlers. Yeah, but he would be like the accountant right like he wouldn't be he the would actual wrestler the yeah he w- he would be like the, our He's wrestler's uh money man maybe she would be the wrestler then i don't know that, i don't know he kind of looks like the nazi that got his face melts in, in, in uh, uh, one of the indiana yeah. joneses <laughs> he does a little bit maybe he's seen the covenant <laughs> perhaps he has according to a his new his wife study, would have stole it if he did <laughs> most people can tell if you're rich just by looking at your face Researchers found that subjects were able to correctly guess if people were rich or poor 68% of the time just from pictures of their faces. Researchers concluded that people with money, big surprise here, tend to live happier, less stressful lives compared to those struggling to make ends meet. So there are subtle emotion patterns carved into faces, especially around the eyes and mouth. Was that done by the Journal of Completely Obvious Results? (laughs) The group that oversees lawyers in the state of Utah is apologizing after sending an email with a picture of a naked woman to every attorney in the state. 
The Utah State Bar sent an email for its annual state convention to all of its members, and an image of a topless woman was also attached to the email. The executive director of the state bar sent an apology to all members after the image was discovered and said an investigation into how the picture got into the original email is underway. Millennials are eating more than just avocado toast. A new study has found millennials have much different eating habits than previous generations. Again, probably not a surprise. Uh, They consume food in restaurants 30% more often than their parents, preferring fast, casual restaurants. But when (laughs) they eat at home, they do include 52% more vegetables than their parents, preferring that those vegetables do be organic, of course. What's fast, casual? Is that like a Panera? Yeah, I guess so. Like you sit down, so it's like a restaurant, but then you still have to bust your own table? Chipotle? Yeah, that's a fast, casual. Panera? Mm-hmm. But Chipotle's still having troubles, aren't they? I think so. I think their sales are not quite back to... You know what normal. it is, though? I think a lot of people went there thinking that they were going for some healthy alternative that allowed them to eat whatever they wanted. Wait, it's not healthy? You can get it healthy if you go there. You have to order, well, like... You can do that at any restaurant. I know, but people... I Again, I just think the way people think is like, oh, that place is healthy. I can go there and eat a ton. And then once all those stories came out, they were telling them, you're actually eating 3,000 calories in that burrito. Wait a minute. You mean that sour cream and shredded cheese wasn't good for me? I mean, it's as big as a football. Have you ever gone there and just gotten a a, a salad when you're doing like, you know? No. I do that like... I get the burrito bowl. That's what I get. And I eat half of it, if that. Yeah. And save the rest. And now, what's Brown the difference between burrito bowl? There's just no wrapper? No, yeah, there's no, there's no flour tortilla. Yeah. So you get the rice and everything. Yeah, in it. You, you get, get the rice, the, the beans. Yeah, I guess that's what I get. All the guts. I'll do that there all the time. And then I feel like there's no... I'm substituting by not having the wrap, and I'm like, no, two kinds of protein, that's fine. Yeah, no, I'll put the, the, the pork and the chicken on. This is a protein thing. That's healthy, right? And I'm going to eat it with chips instead of uh, silverware. Is that okay? And I'll have the 84-ounce Mountain Dew. <laughs> they do have a huge, their large drink there. It seems like it's I huge. don't ever get the drink. It fits perfectly into the cup holder in my car. It makes me want to go there for that reason. It's like this. I made just, this for me. It's just a perfect fit. No matter how many times Robert Plant says he has no interest in reuniting with Led Zeppelin, he still gets asked about it over and over and over Esquire magazine, the latest culprit, writer Jeff Slate, asked, and Plant responded, quote, You don't even have to talk to me if all you want to know about is Led Zeppelin. 38 years ago, John Bonham passed away. That's all I know. You know, Led Zeppelin was an amazing, prolific, fun factory for a period of time, but it was three amazing musicians and a singer living in the times. He adds if he didn't continue to grow musically, he'd, quote, be a whore. It's never going to be that. In the last 10 to 15 years, my work has been really well received, and it's very nice to see, and it makes me feel a bit that I'm in the right place, at least for some people. For me, my time has got to be filled with joy and endeavor and humor and power and absolute self-satisfaction. That's not with Led Zeppelin. That's Uh, doing what I'm doing right now with this band on this tour, end quote. He's so sick of talking about Led Zeppelin. He just called Jimmy Page a whore. Essentially. I don't know how he hasn't gone completely insane. 
He gets asked about it every single day of his life. You just stop doing interviews then. I interviewed John Paul Jones. We did uh, shows in Aruba one time, like years and years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was right before you joined the show. Mm-hmm. And while we're like flying back, we hear John Paul Jones is going to be in the studio the next morning. And I hadn't had time to listen to his album. Had no idea he was coming into town. Had mm-hmm. no idea there was an album. It was all a 100% surprise. And uh, Bob McLaughlin was our producer then. He's like, I listened to the album. Don't worry about it. He's like, I'll, I'll line up the questions for you. And so, of course, I want to know, can we ask about Led Zeppelin? And he's like, yeah, he's, he's okay to talk about Led Zeppelin, uh, but not like the whole time. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, of course. And then he's like, in the album, it has an ecological theme, and um, he produced it himself. So I start the interview, and I was like, uh, well, first of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Led Zeppelin. He's like, I don't want to talk about Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, let's talk about your album. It has an ecological theme. He's like, ecological theme? No, it doesn't. And I'm like, oh, well, you produced it yourself. He's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, uh, I'm oh, so wow. sorry. Strike three. Oh, it was the, it the was, Valdez oil spill. I mean, it was right off the bat. Just <laughs> took it on the chin one after the other. But I, it always amazed me. I mean, we talked about it a long time afterwards. The aspect of that interview that was the most puzzling is, why won't you talk about Led Zeppelin? I talked to him more about them crooked vultures than yeah. I did about zeppelin like you can't it's the elephant in the room you can't not talk about it yeah i think their only saving grace like for for them not going completely insane is that it's it's great what people are asking that like they were a part of something that was so amazing that people are going to ask them about it for the rest of their lives for somebody like screech who everywhere he goes gets asked about saved by the bell and called screech i mean he stabbed somebody that is true. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like I'm embarrassed of this, and I'm getting asked about Listen. it every single day. You know what seems to be the common denominator behind all people who are part of something iconic and don't want to talk about it anymore. The common denominator for those people who are bitter about it is level of success after the fact. Dave Grohl has a huge band. He when he talks about Nirvana. He, he talks about he it, understanding it. the fans' perspective, mm-hmm. and he's very happy to have been a part Ground-breaking of something. Groundbreaking band, right? There's, you know, there's Elvis Presley's and Nirvana's and Beatles. Like they're in that category because they destroyed and re- a genre mm-hmm. redirected music. He's happy to talk about it. Uh, Nova Salik, you know, not not quite as much, but he's not as loquacious, so that makes sense. And not as successful. But Robert Plant is constantly bummed out that nobody recognizes what he's done since or what he's doing at the time as being as good as Led Zeppelin. And that's when it bothers him, when Mm -hmm. people are like, I'm trying to dig out of this and you guys won't let me. And sometimes it's just because what you're doing now isn't nearly as interesting as this groundbreaking, ridiculous thing that you were a part of. I think you just got to steer into the skid, embrace it. I agree. Look at Mark Hamill. I mean, he just showed up to the 90th Oscars as basically as Luke. Like, he's still doing stuff with Star... And that's what people recognize him from. Yeah, but he's Mikey Ruzioni in that respect. Like, he's like, that's the one thing I did. Hey, I'm in. I did it. That's it. That's all I got. Right. But then, for every one of those guys, there's people like, you know, I don't think the Beatles liked talking about the Beatles for a long time. Was was it J.J. Walker we had on the show? Dude, would not... Not not allowed allowed to ask him about... Dynamite. Can't talk. Won't say dynamite. If you say dynamite, that's, the interview's over. Well, that's because that's a screech level, probably 
Like, that's probably taking him back to a very traumatic time in his life. Right. It's like Al Roker not being willing to talk about sharding in the White House. I'm sorry, that's your that's your finest work. That's his stairway to heaven. It really is the only thing we're going to want. Until you outdo that, we have to ask you about it. That I is mean, your Led Zeppelin. I mean, unless he sharts in the 16th chapel, like, how do you up that? The 16th? You gotta, 16th? I mean, what is it? 16th? What did I say? <laughs> First through 15. I'll tell you what. Don't, do what you want to. 16 is the best. <laughs> that was so funny. That was like a little kid would say that. That was funny. The 16th chapel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did you get here with Doc Hollywood? Yeah, I did. <laughs> the 16th chapel. I don't know why it's not called the 16th chapel. I mean, why is it called the 16th chapel? <laughs> I think that's a typo. <laughs> they messed up, not me. <laughs> Journeys. You, you said it like you're wishing someone happy birthday in in, uh, in Swissville. Hey, I'd be sustained. <laughs> Journey's greatest hits album is now only the third album to spend 500 weeks on the Billboard 200 charts. This accomplishment puts the album among the ranks of Bob Marley and the Wailers, legend, the best of Bob Marley and the Wailers, and Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, greatest hits, which rises 108 to 101 on the March 3rd dated chart, first appeared on the list in December of 1988. Uh, you know, I, I, we listened uh, to a few songs off the first Journey album on Saturday, and it's so good. So good. Are they all ballads? No. Anytime feeling that way is on that. I mean, that was a good, or good feel, the other way around. But yeah, it's Santana. Santana's yeah. band formed another band and they got Steve Perry. It's journey was incredible. And now they're fighting <laughs> themselves. What about Steve Perry? Perry? Does he like talking about journey? I think he think he talks to anybody. Yeah, he's got th literally throat issues and just can't sing that stuff anymore. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's he, rough. I think he Wait, didn't he just sing recently at the Sistine Chapel? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of that is you go, what? What did I say? What did I, what did I oh, say? No. <laughs> did I have another malaprop? Is that how you say that word? That is. Forecast today, rain or snow, depending on where you are. 40 for the high today. It's 34 at DVE. All right, Mike's got your sports coming up. Uh, favorite movie? Sistine Candles. <laughs> Uh, Favorite show on MTV? My Sweet 16. Get your shamrocks off. St. Patty's Day contest. <laughs> Submit your own limerick for your shot at winning huge St. Patty's Day prize packs uh, or prize pack. A huge prize pack. Huge. Here's the deal. It includes you and a, is it a friend? or the, How big of an entourage you are we allowing them? You and a guest. You get rooms downtown for the weekend for the, the, the famed St. Patty's Day parade in downtown Pittsburgh. It's the biggest celebration, St. Patty's Day. There's the, the, you know, the three biggest in the country are New York, Chicago, and Pittsburgh. Just, yeah. just ask anybody from Pittsburgh. That's right. Nobody else will answer that question the same way. Well, but listen, here, we're in the top five. Here. All right, come on. They're going to say it. Definitely um, the top ten. In Chicago, they dye the rivers green. We don't have to. Already green. <laughs> yep. Green and brown. So you get hotel accommodations downtown for the weekend. <laughs> One of the funniest things I saw in, on St. Patrick's Day was in Chicago. Some guy in a taxi, front window open, just vomit all over the side of the taxi. Oh, no kidding. Oh, oh At least they made it out of the taxi. Yeah. So you get uh, hotel accommodations downtown. Then you get to ride 
in the uh, parade on the DVE Schultz Ford parade truck with Sean Casey, the mayor. The mayor. The one and only. You get to, from there, uh, you Uber over. You have unlimited Uber for the weekend. Well, you got a bit, you know, Uber gift cards that cover everything, basically. And uh, you, you go over to the Hard Rock VIP set up there to watch the band Corn Beef and Curry play while you have a little lunch. All right. Then you Uber over to the Rex Theater. Okay. This is a marathon. And you're going to be the guest MC for the Bastard Bearded Irishman album release party at the Rex on St. Patrick's Day. That is going to be a bleep show, and you'll be the one on stage bringing them on. All you have to do to get entered is send us a limerick. That's it. That's all you got to do. But in order to do that, you have to know what a limerick is. We seem to have a lot of trouble getting people to understand the uh, the meter of a limerick. There once yeah. was a butter the butter. The butta the butta the butta, and those two things should rhyme. And then the next part, you you know how limerick goes. There once was a man in the sixteenth chapel. <laughs> All right. Go to dv.com to get entered. You got to be twenty-one because there's going to be a little bit of uh, libation uh, enjoyment there. The deadline is noon on March fourteenth. Mike's coming in next with sports. Le'Veon Bell is a moron. He's one of the the greatest athletes the Pittsburgh Steelers have ever had, and he's just. A, 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 an unmitigated disaster every time he opens his mouth. He's saying the dumbest things over and over again. And that's just about his rap career. The latest on the Le'Veon Bell saga, saga, tonight I'm on the loose, Val. <laughs> and we've got Kevin Stevens coming up at 745. We'll talk to Artie. And uh, good things going on for him there. Quite a redemption story. We'll talk with Kevin Stevens, 745. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Big hockey game tonight, but the Lev Bell news is sort of just the, the thing that's perplexing Steeler fans. It's one thing to disagree with the contract that you're being offered. It's another thing to offer rationale that makes absolutely no sense. Well, you want to start with that slap? Well, you did last hour. I didn't know where you wanted to go this hour. I assumed you were doing the same thing. Uh, Le'Veon Bell got... The franchise tag, everybody knew that was coming. So he's going to have to play for $14.544 million this season. Now, prior to that uh, happening, just prior to the 4 p.m. deadline yesterday, an interview with Le'Veon Bell in Billboard magazine was posted. Right. And uh, Le'Veon anticipated getting the franchise tag in advance of actually getting it in the Billboard magazine interview. And he said, quote, when the end of July comes, wherever we're at, at least he's getting Pittsburgh East. Yeah, he's now. got that. Yeah, the nice preposition placement. If I sign, everybody will be happy. But if not, I guess I got to play it by ear. If I'll be out till week one, if I'll be out till week 10, or if I'm going to be out there at all. It depends on how I feel at that time and moment. Okay. Um, we, it, it would be the dumbest thing ever if he waited until week 10. Now, can you read the quote he had about his teammates? And Billboard magazine. Yes, well, they didn't. His teammates didn't um, promote his music as much yeah, as he'd like. They weren't behind the rap movement. Uh, quote: People weren't like even my own teammates weren't necessarily posting my music or pushing my music because everybody kind of figured it was a joke. Okay, and they were right. <laughs> All right, I I think I've solved this entire problem right here. The contract he said that the Steelers are offering him is 
better than the one they offered him last year that he turned down. I think the one they had last year was more than fair. So they've even come further along than where they were a year ago. Why not just say to Lev Bell, okay, how about we say this? The contract we offered you, those are the terms. Those stand uh, 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 pat for now. But we promise all of your teammates will retweet your dumb rap videos and support your music career nonstop. We'll play it in the locker room. We'll play it in the stadium. No, 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 no. No, you can't play it in the stadium. We'll you play can't it give the, up that much. We'll play it in the locker room. <laughs> if it fired him up, wouldn't you want to play it in the stadium? Why wouldn't you? Because I wouldn't want to expose. Remember that my, Three Stooges episode where every time you heard public. every time you heard three blind mice, Curly <laughs> started beating people up. Pop goes the weasel. Or Pop goes the weasel. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we can uh, do something like that with Lev Bell. Pop goes the Lev Bell. I think you're giving up too much there. Pop goes the juice. You know what? Take a deep breath, swallow hard, run him till the wheels come off, and look forward to this time next year when he'll be somebody else's pain in the One ass. One more year, huh? That's what it's looking like. So many Steeler fans think there's a way to get Barkley from the Browns, and I just don't see the math working in any way, shape, or form there. But we don't need Barkley from the Browns. Get the next hunt. Get the you next watch. Camaro. They won't even draft him. They'll they'll go. They will do the dumbest thing. They got two picks in the top five. They are five. known for that. <laughs> they, they could screw this up. They've done it before. They're going to pick a quarterback they yeah. shouldn't. Uh, uh, they might pick uh, Baker Mayfield because the Johnny Manziel thing worked out so well. Why wouldn't you go back to that one? You know they're going to. They can't resist. Oh, no. No, they can't be that dumb. Pens are in Philly tonight. It is Rivalry Wednesday. Rivalry Wednesday. And normally that's a, a made-for-NBC sports kind of thing, but not in this case. The Pens and Flyers is a legitimate rivalry, and uh, new Penguins acquisition Derek Prasard knows all about rivalries from his days in New York and, and Ottawa. Now he gets to experience Pittsburgh, Philadelphia firsthand. Yeah, the Rangers is uh, pretty much with the well, yeah, the Flyers as well, but like with the Islanders and uh, the Devils. Uh, in Ottawa, it's more Toronto, Montreal, depending on the, on the games. And uh, yeah, I mean, just those games are always fun for everyone, like the fans and uh, obviously the players. But uh, if we're going there tomorrow to play our game, or you know, we have to improve as a team. We have to uh, make sure we're we're uh, playing the right way, and we'll go from there. The Rangers-Islanders rivalry used to be incomparable from the fan reaction. That's where the 1940 chant came up, the the derisive chant at the Rangers, 1940, that everybody picked up on because after the Islanders joined the league and won four Stanley Cups like 10 minutes later. (laughs) And so the Rangers fans, in uh, typical Ranger fan fashion, responded with a chant that Islanders Defenseman Dennis Potvin, beat your wife, Potvin, beat your wife. Classy. The Islanders, I don't know if they still do this or not, but uh, they used to play the chicken dance during breaks in the action. And at the appropriate time, the fans, the Rangers suck. They could be playing Chicago, and they just chant that. They do the same thing for if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Yeah. Rangers suck. The, the hatred is real and it is I like uh, it. spectacular. Yeah. And I think it's getting there with Pittsburgh and Philly. 
Oh, yeah. They're obsessed with Sidney Crosby. They, they had anti-Crosby signs at their Super Bowl parade. They are obsessed with He's Sidney. in their head. So, there's that tonight. I think it's going to be super fun to watch. Um, I'm a little bit worried. It's a big game. What are you worried about? I worry about injury. I worry about uh, Mojo. They don't really goon it up anymore. You can't goon it up anymore. Yeah, but I mean, Philly in particular, they just don't. They really, changed their philosophy. Don't really play that game finally. Anymore. Yeah, which might explain why they are in a lot closer proximity to the Penguins than they usually are in the standings. Well, I'm worried about a mental. You know, if you know, Jari has a bad night, or I, I think they got to start him. You can't put the Smith in there cold in the Philadelphia, right? I think they start Jari because he's won the last two. Even though he slipped and fell on a banana peel to start the game. Yeah, but he only gave up one on the goal the whole rest of the game. And it went overtime. You know, so what? He took a beating in that game, too. He got run into a couple of times. He took a puck to the face. I could live with a guy giving up a bad goal if he's only going to give up two. We'll talk to Borky next hour. But when we come back from this commercial break, Kevin Stevens. Talk to the Penguin legend about his road to recovery and how he's helping others now. Pretty great story. Looking forward to talking to Kevin Stevens when we come back. DVE. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman, and uh, we are happy to welcome to this show right now Kevin Stevens. Kevin, uh, Pittsburgh Penguin great, is going to be appearing at a luncheon on April 3rd at PPG Paints Arena's Lexus Club with Family Links, and we'll explain more what that's about in a moment. But uh, first, let's welcome Kevin to the show. Kevin, good morning. How are you, man? Morning, Randy. How you doing? How's things going? Dude, doing great. I'm so glad to hear, uh, you know, that that you're on the on the road to recovery here. Is it 18 months? Yeah, it's been like 21 months now. You know, it's um, yeah, it's been good, Randy. It's it's just a better way for me to a better way yeah. for me to live. You know, it's kind of been it's been a kind of a long road a little bit, but um, no, it's been great. The last 21 months have been great, and uh, things are moving in the right direction, which is a positive thing. You know. What makes the recovery for you different from other times when you've tried to recover in the past? Yeah, yeah. you know, it's weird because um, I guess you just have to be, you know, be ready to when, when it happens. Because I wasn't really, you know, the other times, I guess, I, you know, I kind of wanted to get sober and get clean, but I really didn't want to. So I kind of had these reservations. But I think this time I kind of threw in the towel and I kind of, I kind of surrendered to the disease that I was, you know, Mm-hmm. An addict, which is you know, which is tough sometimes, and uh, I think I, I kind of bought into like you know letting people help me. I think that's a big thing, like you know, kind of what this family th- links and what I'm trying to do now. It's just you know, you need you need support, you need people, and you need good people around you. And I, I was able to get the support, get the people, and you know, they kind of took me in the right direction. And, and it's been a great little ride so far. So I'm kind of really pleased that it's kind of worked this time, which is yeah. very important to me. You know. The Power Forward Foundation, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Jason Mackey did this great uh, profile in the Post-Gazette the other day about your uh, road to recovery here. And there's two incidents you talk, that, that are mentioned. One, like the first time when you were socially using that yeah. started an addiction. And the other, though, was the recovery from that infamous hit from, uh, was it uh, Richie Pilon? Yeah, yeah, that was... Um like it's kind of weird because it's kind of it was only like two or three months apart. Like I, I was twenty, like I was kind of older. I was twenty eight years old before I kind of even tried a drug, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, and like I said, I made that decision in New York City one night. I was done with the guys. And I was kind of 
a 30-second decision that, that changed my life for the next 10 or 24 years. It didn't, it didn't happen right then. It didn't like, you know, but that night kind of opened up the can of worms in my mind. If I, I have this addiction, I have this disease, which, which I really didn't know about, you know, but I activated when I was 20 years old when I tried that cord that can only now is cocaine in New York City. Right. Not knowing that it was going to kick in this addiction. But and three months later, I had my facial surgery. I got, I got hurt with peeling on the ice. And that's when I kind of got introduced to the opiates. And that's and then, you know, all, like I said, already activated my disease at that time in New York City, getting hurt. And I, I kind of opened up a can of worms there. And it was just, uh, from there, it was a slow, you know, kind of slow, painful thing. But, you know, it took, it took me down the wrong road. And uh, like I said, not knowing anything about I had this disease, you know. How, how difficult is, or I guess the way to phrase it is, how important is it for you to m- make people understand that in order to erase the stigma of opioid abuse, that understanding it's a disease is central to that? And because yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, they think they're like, oh, it's not a disease, you're just partying and it got out of control. Yeah. Yeah, it gets to a point like addiction is, Addiction is progression, right? It gets to a point where, you know, you can't, you, you don't have a say in what you do. I really, like, I had no idea. Like I said, I was 20 years old when I first tried this thing. I had no idea what this thing was all about, you know. And then, and, and it is a disease. I know it is because I, I've been down the road and I've been down how this thing all works. And it, and, and it, and it, and it really takes over your life, and, you know. And then there's a way out. And there's a way to do it. And, um but it is a disease, and it's, and it's powerful. We all know what this opiate crisis is doing right now. It's, oh, yeah. it's killing people all over this country, and it's, it's crazy. You're working with Family Links, and in an effort to increase education uh, and prevention of opioid abuse, the Power Forward Foundation, stressing those things, uh, this is a great program. I, I'm guessing that finding the origin of this is one of the the keys to prevention, how much of opioid addiction stems from pain management that you can't wean off of versus recreational yeah. use? I think, I think, I think most of this opiate addiction and how this all happens starts with pain medication. Most of the people just don't jump into doing heroin. You know, it's kind of you know you get hurt, or someone someone gives you some Percocets or something, and, and you try it. The next thing you know, you get stuck. I think that's what all these all us addicts. And what happens is you get to a certain point where you know you need this stuff every day, and you get you get, and it mostly starts with the pain pills. And you know when the money starts to get bad and it starts to really take over your life, then you get out to the streets, and it's and the heroin's cheaper and it's stronger, and, it's, and that that's what's killing the people. You know? Fentanyl is like it's killing people, and it's killing good people, and it's killing a lot of people. And you know, it's we don't hear about it, you know, much, Randy, about. All the people is there, and this Narcan thing they have out there that saves people now, like when you're overdosed. And, you know, they save, like, I know in Massachusetts, it saves nine out of ten people. And all we hear about is the people that die. Like, if we didn't have this Narcan, this, this would be a major, major thing in this country. Well, that's a great point I hadn't even thought about. Hmm. Well, the, the numbers yeah. would be uh, without Narcan. Uh, so now, Family Links, uh, you're working with them. You're doing this luncheon coming up on Wednesday, April 3rd. Uh, or no, is it Tuesday, uh, April 3rd? I'm going to say. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's April 3rd. I don't know what day it is. It's Tuesday. Yeah. And uh, the, the purpose of this is to, is it, are you launching the foundation here, like, locally? This is something you've done in Massachusetts before? Yeah, yeah it's kind of, um, 
it's kind of the first time that I'll be, you know, sitting down with uh, family links and we're kind of working together, you know, to try to, try to, try to work on this, you know, to try to get people into recovery and get people in the right direction. I kind of met with Felonics. They're a great, great company. They've been around 30 years and, and they, they just really know what they're doing and they want to help people. And I was, you know, when they came to me, like, I'm kind of like a Pittsburgh guy. You know, I obviously grew up here playing hockey and this mm-hmm. is the place I want to be. And, you know, I think working together, maybe with my name and what I did, like we can we can help people. And that's that's the biggest thing that we both want to do is to try to help. You know, you're not going to help everybody. You're not going to save everybody. But, you know, if you can help one or two people, you can just help. You know, get it out there. Like, you know, we can't. There is hope. I think that's the biggest thing. Right? For me, you know, sometimes you feel hopeless and you feel like there's no hope. But I know there's hope because I went through a lot and I went through a lot of treatment and it took me a long time. But then you always have to believe this hope, and I think that's the biggest thing that both of us kind of believe in, you know. Are you going to uh, uh, be working with the NHL at any point? Is that a goal for you? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, down the road, it's, it's you know, it's kind of uh, all this stuff is, is great, but it's about, you know, it's still first about me, like, kind of staying sober. That's the most important thing to me, and there's a lot of opportunity out there to help people and doing a lot of things. Like I say, I have a radio station, and, you know, when I want to power forward now, dot org. There's a lot of things going on, which is all positive, and it's all good stuff. And um, but it's um, yeah, like talking like last year, I talked to the rookies here in Pittsburgh. They had their rookie camp in August, and you know, I thought that was helpful. And it's nice talking to the hockey because I'm kind of I kind of think the same way the hockey players think because I I was in their position. I was sitting in the chair. Listen, other people talk about this disease, and I was saying, you know what, this is never going to be. Now it's me talking to these people, so it's yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. a full circle thing. You never know. That's the thing. That's what I try to tell you. You never know. You make a bad choice, you know, you can you can go down the same road I had to go down for a while. You know, it's tough. Yeah. Kevin, you doing anything with the Penguins these days? Yeah, I'm doing uh, doing scouting with them. I do college free agent stuff, which is which is good through like upstate New York to Maine, like all through New England and. Uh, my little son's playing at, at Yale, so he, I get to go see him. And they're pretty good to me. I get to go see him play. I see the teams he plays. So it's, uh, it's, been a good, it's been good to be back with these guys. Meyer's been great. You know, it's, been a, you know, it's great to be back with all the guys, you know, especially this week at this thing. And, uh, you know, it just feels good to be back in Pittsburgh. It's a great place. I loved it here, and I still love it here. And it's always nice to come home here. Well, what do you make of the Penguins' chances to be able to uh, three-peat here? Yeah, I think there's a good chance. You know, it's it's so hard. You guys all know, like, when the Stanley Cups, you know, even though two they've won, you know, in a row here, you got to get breaks, you got to get goaltender, you got to get, you know, situations where, you know, the puck goes in for you and the other team doesn't, doesn't go in for the other team. But it's all, it's so hard from the first round to the last round. But they, they're, they're in the mix, and with that, that makes it that much great. They got, they got a shot. They got, they, you know, they got big time players that know how to win, and, at the right time, and I think that's the biggest thing. So I think, you know, I think that they're one of the teams that's going to be contending, and they'll they'll be right there in the end. But we'll see what happens. April third at PPG Pants Arena, Lexus Club. You can see Kevin speaking at a luncheon with family links. We have it linked for you at dve.com. You can go to www.strongforlife.eventbrite.com if you want to get tickets that way. Or as I said, we do have it linked for you at dve.com. Man, it's just so good to hear that, that things are going so well for you, and I wish you continued success, man. And, uh, you know, this whole city is rooting for you all the time. So, you know, uh, well done, man, and keep keep uh, keep on the path you're on. All right, Randy. Thank you very much. All right, Thanks man. Me on. We'll see you. Bye.
Bye-bye. Kevin Stevens, who is one of the toughest dudes that ever played hockey. For sure. His face rebuilt. That team was full of just badasses. Talk at playing with a broken jaw and... Kevin, also the author Four of hockey players, one of the uh, <laughs> one of the best trash talking on film episodes of all time. Oh, the uh, Bellows, Brian Bellows, but he's even more famous for the address calling his shot after Game Two in Boston mm-hmm. when the Penguins uh, went down O two to the Bruins in the Eastern Conference Final, and he stood in the cramped quarters that were the old Boston Garden and said, you know, we're winning this effing series. And they did. He's a badass. Best wishes to uh, to Kevin here and continued success. Family links. That piece that Mackie did was great. We talked with Jason about it the other day. It was mm-hmm. awesome. What do you got coming up, Val? Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Siri apparently is just laughing randomly. Dude, With I no would prompt throw and that thing right out the window. Freaking if that happens. people out. Freak me out. <laughs> the old two niner, Phil Bork, coming up at eight forty-five. Plus, we'll talk with Mark Madden next hour as well. Do you have one of those? You can take uh, what's that? The Siri. I have the iPhone. Yeah, so Siri's in the iPhone. Do you have the you thing have that, the speaker? like in your recreational area? Oh no, no. That you talk to? No. I don't do that. The Echo or. I've been yeah. over a few people's houses that have it in very Alexa. Big, Alexa? Yeah. Yeah. You you get drunk and just yell stuff at it. Sounds like a blast, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it just laughs at you randomly. Yeah. You can take us with you, uh, with you wherever you go. iHeartRadio. Download the iHeartRadio app to your phone or uh, your smartphone, your tablet, whatever your uh, preferred method is. And laugh anywhere at us randomly. you go, that's right, you can laugh at us randomly. You can take DVE with you in your pocket, iHeartRadio.com. I mean, unless he sharts in the 16th chapel, <laughs> like, how do you up that? The you got a 16th? I mean, what is it? What did I say? <laughs> First through 15. I'll tell you what. Don't. Do what you want to. 16. 16 is the best. <laughs> That was so funny. That was like a little kid would say that. That was funny. The 16th Chapel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did you get here with Doc Hollywood? Yeah, I did. <laughs> the 16th Chapel. I don't know why it's not called the 16th Chapel. I mean, why is it called the 16th Chapel? <laughs> I think that's a typo. <laughs> they messed up, not me. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Well, you know, Bill, you're not alone. Uh, Justin Bieber also had uh, a little trouble with uh, <laughs> pronouncing Sistine Chapel correctly when he was on David Letterman years ago. Do me a favor, don't go nuts. You know what I mean? No, I won't. Because more and more, you see like the the mural and the, like the Sistine Chapel on a you know it's, it's too much. I'm not going for the 16th Chapel. But... <laughs> yeah. Good to be in uh, company with the Biebs. I'd like to apologize to the Pope, everybody in Vatican City, Michelangelo fans across the country. Um, Whoever loaded that to YouTube did it in a windstorm. What was that? That sound sucked. (laughs) Justin Bieber just sitting there deflated at the end of the, the conversation looking up at David Letterman, who's just laughing at him. And Justin Bieber has to be thinking to himself, 
I said something stupid, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, but also, screw this old guy. Like, he doesn't care about David Letterman. Have you watched Letterman's show on uh, Netflix? No, because uh, no. I keep thinking I'm not in the mind frame. I, I just want something to... Well, the first one's Obama. Space out to, yeah. So I didn't want to watch that because uh, I didn't want to have like an hour of political talk. And I guess that's not necessarily what it is. But the second one was George Clooney, and I watched a little bit of that. And uh, I like I like how they did it. They're like sitting outside of an In-N-Out, eating in the parking lot to start it. Like, oh, really? Out. Yeah, you know that one In-N-Out right by LAX? Yeah. Yeah, they're right there. Get a couple burgers. Yeah. And they're crushing them, uh, hanging out there. And the, they bring them some shakes and whatever. And uh, then it cuts to them on stage. And, you know, it's mostly just more of an in-depth interview. And uh, I think Letterman is probably pretty adept at that. Again, because of the success of all these podcasts and that format being not just acceptable, but a preferred method for a yeah. lot of people. People want to hear conversation. Yeah. I think that he saw that as an opportunity to broaden his skills and play to his what became his main strength, which was interviewing. So it I think a lot good interviewers have always been able to do that. Become you know, make it conversational instead right. of Yeah. What yeah. happened when you were writing this song or Instead of like a Chris Farley, like look down at your notes and yeah. ask the next question, regardless if it has anything to do with the yeah. the, the narrative that's being played out in the interview. Yeah. As accomplished as Dan Rather is, his show, The Big Interview, I think it's on Access TV, is not good. The Big Suck. Oh, I didn't know if that, that was even on TV. Crooch. Yeah. He has great, huge stars on there, but it's just not good. He should have named it This is the Frequency Kenneth. <laughs> That's still my favorite story. The song, What's the Frequency Kenneth, the REM had, mm -hmm. was because it was based on a crazy person who one day attacked Dan Rather on the streets of New York, screaming, what's the Frequency Kenneth? <laughs> I would love to hurt. I just pictured Dan Rather with like a blanket around him sipping tea in the police department. <laughs> like, and then he yelled, what's the Frequency Kenneth? <laughs> From the Channel 11 the frequency, Val. Severe Weather Center, here's the Dormont Appliance weather forecast. Did that go in one ear and everyone else, or did my headphones just blow out? Um, no, it went in The both. weather, you mean? Yeah, was that in one channel? I'll play it again. All right, well, never mind. Now we're good. just blew out? Yeah, my headphones just blew out. All right. Keep trucking. So it was a bad week for headphones. Yeah. Uh, 35 <laughs> degrees now at DVE. Donald Trump's alleged affair with Stormy Daniels is in the news again as the porn star filed suit against the president yesterday, claiming the non-disclosure agreement designed to keep her quiet before the 2016 election is void because Trump did not sign it. According to the lawsuit filed in Los Angeles Superior Court, Daniels wanted to talk publicly about her 10-year-old affair with Trump prior to the election, but a hush agreement was negotiated between Trump's lawyer Michael Cohen and her lawyer. She was to be paid 130 grand, and even after Daniels canceled the contract on October 17th, her payment was delivered on October 27th, just 12 days before the election. Cohen recently admitted that his own money was used to make the payment. Uh -huh. uh, the suit alleges um, the new lawsuit alleges Mr. Trump, with assistance of his attorney, Mr. Cohen, aggressively sought to silence Ms. Clifford as part of an effort to avoid her telling the truth, thus helping to ensure he won the presidential election. Neither Cohen nor the White House has immediately made any comment about that lawsuit. 
Did he sign it as his alias? He didn't sign it at all. Okay. Well, that's the that's the issue. John Dennison. <laughs> Mr. Trump has slept with many beautiful women. The funniest is his lawyer at first was like, I paid for that with my own money. And then he's like, he never paid me back. Uh, do we have to keep calling it an alleged affair? Uh, is anybody even denying it anymore? Did I call it an alleged affair? Yeah. Yes, I did. It's okay. I, I guess we probably still do. But there's no doubt it know. actually happened. Well, probably not. So what is her point in suing? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, unless she wants damages, I don't. I don't her, really. Know. She can just talk if it's not right. If it's not a legal binding contract because there's no signature on it, she can speak freely. I would. The think. funny thing is, if she would have gone to Rob Reiner, or you know George Soros, and said he's going to pay me one hundred thirty thousand dollars not to talk, how much will you pay me to tell the story? She would have made like ten times that amount. Right. I don't know why I she should have shopped. It. She, I was <laughs> I like, wait yet. a second, is she, she going to be in a new uh, sitcom or something? Stand by Stormy. <laughs> she has bad bad legal advice. She I mean, could have made way more money. But if you're a porn star, can you sue for emotional distress? Because isn't that kind of what got you into porn? That's true. I mean, she should probably sue her parents <laughs> first. <laughs> if they only made her run to school in the rain. <laughs> Nashville's naughty mayor is out. Megan Barry, who admitted to having an affair with the head of her security team and was accused of misspending taxpayers' money, has resigned from office. Barry pleaded guilty to a charge of theft of property and agreed to serve three years probation. She'll also pay restitution to the city. Last month, a 54-year-old first-term mayor admitted having an extramarital affair with Metro Police Sergeant Robert Forrest Jr., who also pleaded guilty to theft charges and accepted three years probation. You know, uh, Barry's the last name that you just don't want to have as a mayor. <laughs> really doesn't. Doesn't turn out well. Ten- successful tenure. A nine-week-old puppy is recovering after a scary situation in North Reading. This became a viral video the last couple of days. Megan Vital and her boyfriend frantically rushed into the police station on Sunday, saying their St. Bernard puppy, Bodie, was choking. Security footage shows officers tending to the limp dog after 10 minutes of back blows and chest compressions. The item was dislodged, and the puppy started breathing again. He is now in the care of a vet. Officials credit their special animal emergency training and equipment with saving that dog's life. Okay, this is a little bit creepy. There have been a bunch of reports by Amazon Echo owners recently that claim Alexa has out of the blue just started uh, started laughing without any prompts. I misspoke and said Siri before. It's Alexa. That's not a little creepy. That's a lot creepy. Yeah, apparently there's no chime, like, you know, when it goes ding or doo-doo or whatever right. it does. There's no chime before she starts laughing, you know, like she would normally answer a question or a request. One user even claimed he was in bed trying to fall asleep, and Alexa just started creepily laughing. Another user complained he was having a ser- serious work conversation at home, and Alexa started cracking up. Apparently, she has a bunch of different laughs. Some are very human-sounding, some extremely witch-like, almost like a cackle. Both Reddit and Twitter <laughs> are filled with people sharing similar encounters with what seems to be Alexa. I don't know if she's pranking her users or what, but it's very no thanks creepy.
Yeah, this is like a software engineer with a with a real sick sense of humor. Like, I'm just gonna make her laugh at random times. I get Kimmel the other night was basically asking her why she keeps laughing randomly, mm-hmm. and she was said one of the creepiest things ever. She said, "Oh, I just remembered a joke." <laughs> You're remembering jokes now. In music news, Matt yeah. Sorum. like Alexa is basically the chick passed out in the back of your Uber when you're driving home. <laughs> Matt Sorum of Guns N' Roses and Velvet Revolver fame says that one of his jobs before hitting it big as a drummer was as a drug smuggler. Sorum was a guest on the Two Hours with Matt Pinfield podcast and said, quote, before I was in a rock band, I was a drug smuggler. I used to smuggle cocaine across borders. I'd fly on airplanes with two kilos strapped around my waist. Most of my deliveries were in Hawaii because I had a big connection there, end quote. Sorum brought up the story when talking about the autobiography he's working on. He says it's going to be the juiciest of the juiciest of the Guns N' Roses books for sure. And the manager of Guns N' Roses revealing why Izzy Stradlin wasn't part of the reunion tour. While talking during the Appetite for Distortion podcast, Alan Niven says Izzy showed up for the tour, went to the first sound check, and then walked off stage. He said band members said he didn't want anything to do with the tour, but didn't even give a reason why. Same tour brought, of course, Slash and Duff McKagan back into the band after a 10-year absence. Rain or snow today, 40 for the high. It's 35 now at DVE. Last night on WQED. The Corporation for Public... They had a special, Mr. Rogers. I don't know what the hell that was. That was the beginning part. The Mr. Rogers special on QED last night was just phenomenal. Um, I had such a good time watching it, and the way they did it I thought was great. And they had Michael Keaton on there and uh, all kinds of like famous people who've been on the show in the past and people who were inspired by the show. And there's so much Pittsburgh to it, and it's hard to not notice that now. I mean, I grew up in Erie, so I didn't have the Pittsburgh connection with that stuff quite like I would now watching it. And looking back, you see just how influential this city was um, in the programming of that show, I should uh, add. But the, the clip that far and away always blows me away is when he goes to visit Coco the gorilla. Have you ever seen that? No. So Coco is was the famous sort of uh, not talking gorilla, but he, he, Coco knew how to sign use language. sign language and was very, um, well, I mean, intelligent. Yeah, but it was like a voracious television watcher. Oh, and I know there was a, like Robin Williams when Coco saw Robin Williams, and he like just went over and ran and hugged him, like, "Oh my God, I love your movies." Basically, why would you let it? Coco was like you. Chewbacca mom or something, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just. <laughs> totally starstruck. So Mr. Rogers goes to visit, and Coco watched Mr. Rogers show all the time. Loved Mr. Rogers. So Coco's there, and the Coco Coco starts going. So the, the transcripts of this are online. Coco immediately starts signing Coco Love, Coco Love. Aww. When Coco sees Mr. Rogers, and Mr. Rogers is like, "Hello, Coco. Hi, Coco." Then Coco purrs and signs Coco Love, and hurry, Penny, who is the attendant unlocks her room gate and she opens the gate herself as soon as it's unlocked coco first looks in the tote bag mr rogers brought and finds a stuffed daniel tiger toy she puts 
the bag and toy down, holds Mr. Rogers' hands to her lips and smells his hand. She pulls him close and touches his face gently. Then she unceremoniously unzips Mr. Rogers' trademark <laughs> cardigan sweater. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, my God. And Penny goes, you know how to work a zipper. Very good. Coco holds Mr. Rogers' hand, studies his tie, and then takes him by the hand and leads him into her room. Show Mr. Rogers your room. Oh, good idea. So Coco removes Mr. Rogers' sweater, checks his mouth for gold teeth. I don't know about that. I don't I know really what that's know all that's about. What he was what is he? For. This is like Papillon. I'm not <laughs> sure what's happening there. And then invites him to chase her around the room. She wants to play. She blows a few notes on the harmonica he brought and spends quite some time taking pictures with his camera. Penny, the attendant, says, you seem to want to do pictures today. Coco says, come to Mr. Rogers. And she takes his hand and he sits down. Mr. Rogers says, how do you say love for sign language? And Penny says, can you show him how to say love? How do you say love? And Coco is busy still with Mr. Rogers' fingers and stuff. And, and Coco says, what's that? Flower touches Mr. Rogers' cufflink. And Penny says, she's asking you about your cufflink. Is that a flower? And Mr. Rogers is like, that's a son. And my grandfather gave me these. Penny tells Coco, it's a son. Looks like a flower, though. And then Coco's like, hurry. And Penny says, hold on, can we talk a little bit about love? And Coco's like, frown. <laughs> Penny's like, frown, what? Love. Oh, what? Well, love, love. Coco says, love you, visit to Mr. Rogers. And Mr. Rogers is trying to do the sign for love back to Coco. This blow. I mean, it blows me away. It's oh, amazing. Incredible. A little terrifying. I, 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 when you watch it, there's a point you're like, whoa. Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> is he about to be pulled to bits? Um, but. Coco could not believe she, Coco was starstruck by Mr. Rogers, which I think is hilarious. And, and there's a picture that you can find of Penny and Mr. Rogers and Coco, and they're all posing for the camera. And Coco's looking right at the camera like, okay, is that good? Do you have to get another one? Are we okay? He wow. transcended affecting humans. Cross species. Dude was cross species. Thank you very much, Coco, gift. for the visit. I hope we'll meet again. Coco takes his hand and pulls it toward her. Hurry, sit on. Like, come here. Don't leave. And Mr. Rogers I'm being like, held okay. captive. <laughs> tell I'm, them I'm, I'm in jail. Tell them no more with the mush. Enough bananas. Um, Did they have that footage in the yeah. in the piece? Oh yeah, it's great. Michael Keaton does a lot of stuff on it, and um, uh, Yo Yo Ma, of course. But there was just so much great stuff about music, and there was observations about things that he did that I didn't realize. There was one scene where the, he had like a, a prodigy piano player kid who was there playing Bach, and uh, as the kid's like playing the piano, Mister Rogers is just like staring at the kid. He's not looking at his fingers. He's like staring at the kid and. Almost anybody else, you'd be like, oh, that seems kind of creepy. But with him, he's like genuinely wanted to let the kid know, like, yeah, I'm appreciating what you're doing. And they talked about how he'd leave screw-ups in so that kids saw, like, yeah, you screw up. Sometimes learning stuff's hard or whatever. Instead of being that vain, like, cut, do it again, I messed it up. He would just leave the mess-ups in. What a special man. Yeah. In the midst of everything that's going on right now, and we're just talking about Stormy Daniels, and what a mess the whole country's in. For some reason, watching that last night was like so smile-inducing. Soul oh, food. Yeah. And it, I have to tell you, it's not something I, I don't have vivid memories of it. I know I watched it a lot when I was a kid. But when you watch back and you watch those clips and the way they did it, 
which was really sort of in the form of documentary that we're used to seeing mm-hmm. now and uh, the retrospectives that air nonstop. Uh, it really made me feel like, oh, yeah, I'd been in that place all you know so much when I was a kid. And anybody else, you'd make inappropriate jokes about almost every part of it. But with him, for some reason, you just don't have the compulsion to do it. I don't think a show like that could ever air today. No. Never. No way. But it was uh, fun to watch. And his wife was on it. And um, I don't remember ever seeing her on it. No, but she was on the show last night kind of talking about it. And they went into this big, you know, uh, story about how he was... Uh, Trained assassin and a sniper for <laughs> the Marines. Anyways. It's from Latrobe, right? If they air it again, you should definitely watch it. It was really great. Valerie has news top of the hour, which is a long time from now. Yes. But Mike oh. has sports when we come back. We're going to be talking about the Pens, taking on the Flyers tonight. And also, Lev Bell and his contract, which is just, this is getting nuts. What will the Steelers do? They, uh, they're $9 million over. You get rid of his $14 million, problem solved. But then, who runs the ball? Who's your number two receiver? A conundrum. A sticky wicket, as it were. Mike Pursuta with your sports when we come back on the DVE Morning Show. Prince. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta's got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is hour brought to you by Emporio, a meatball joint. Le'Veon Bell got the franchise tag yesterday in advance of the 4 p.m. deadline. So uh, the Steelers and their all-pro running back are in the same spot they were in a year ago. Uh, They tried to work out a long-term deal then, could not. Bell ended up having to play under the franchise tag. He was not obligated to report to training camp because he didn't sign it right away. He waited until the start of the regular season, signed it. Played his tail off, had a great year. Led the NFL in yards from scrimmage. Uh, was a phenomenal player, as the Steelers anticipated he would be. And uh, here we are again. They have tried to uh, work out a deal and have been unable to do so. Bell telling uh, Jeremy Fowler of uh, ESPN.com this week that his floor for a deal is an average of $14.5 million a year over the length of the deal. He's going to play for that fourteen point five. This year on a one-year basis under the franchise tag. And uh, where things are headed, maybe nobody but Le'Veon Bell knows. Uh, he gave a recent interview to Billboard magazine talking about his uh, rap music and his musical career, his developing musical career. Uh, that interview was posted yesterday, and Bell anticipated getting tagged as he was. Uh, he said, quote, we'll still try to work out a long-term deal, but obviously when the end of July comes, wherever we're at, if I sign, everybody will be happy. But if not, I guess I got to play it by ear. If I'll be out till week one, if I'll be out till week 10, or if I'm going to be out there at all. It depends on how I feel at that time and moment. So Le'Veon Bell, uh, still not committing to playing, still publicly contemplating retirement. If he doesn't get the deal he wants. The Steelers, of course, don't comment on contract negotiations, but L.A. Stallions owner Shelly Marcone was reached for a comment on the Bell Steelers impasse. No heroes left. Not anymore. Since on Sunday, we're being paid $405 to Joe Nabel for the 66. Son of a bitch, have just gotten greedier. Not a mighty wins enough. Jesus, free agent. Gimme, 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 gimme. 
the American public is pissed pot tired of it, and they're changing the channel. That was L.A. Stallion's owner, Shelly Marcone. Wow. <laughs> Speaking on the Poignant movie. insight there. That was a tough interview to get because he died at the end of that movie. Yeah. Good sound by you there. Nice. A little Ouija board action. I just think all you need to do is promise him that the rest of the players on the team will support his rap career, yes. and he'll, <laughs> he'll acquiesce. Replace Renegade with one of Le'Veon Bell's rap songs Yeah, every week. Look, if Snoop is a real Steeler fan, he'll supplement wherever the, the Steelers aren't given Bell in, a, in, a, in an album release contract. Sign him to your label. Yeah. Come on, Snoop. Put him in a couple episodes of uh, Coach Snoop. If Le'Veon Bell stays with the Steelers, I'll give him $10 million. That's all we need to hear. Because Snoop was contemplating not rooting for the Steelers, and then they got rid of Todd Haley, and he said, you know what, I'm a Steeler fan for life. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I trust him on that, because I see him wearing a lot of gear. Uh, he was in the documentary, 30 for 30, about being a Raiders fan. Yeah. But isn't that more cultural? Than it was actually being a fan of that team. Well, he grew up there, and that yeah, you know the you LA still, Raiders. You can't really, from, Steelers like and Raiders. Nah, that's that's, if you're from yeah. Long Beach, that's like Cowboys just, uh, and Indians. You got to pick one in that one. Part of the attire. I mean, if you can't count on Snoop, who can you count on? I guess is what you're trying to say. Penguins are in Philadelphia tonight to take on the Flyers. It is rivalry Wednesday. It's an eight o'clock start in South Philly, and on your Penn's flagship. 105.9 The X. Uh, Mike Sullivan, the Penn's head coach, looking forward to the environment that is a Flyers game in Philadelphia. Yeah, well, it's it's an exciting bar- environment to play in. You know, it's a great rivalry. It's two teams that have uh, long histories and, and story traditions, and uh, and and so they're always uh, there's always a heightened a le- a level of emotion uh, associated with the games. They're the most fun to be a part of. I think that the standings and and where the teams, uh, the each respective team sits in the standings at this time of year, uh, I think you know just just heightens to the the, uh, the intensity and the emotion involved with with this type of game so you know we have a lot of respect for the flyers they're a really good team they've they've really um they've really grown this year as a group and uh, they've put themselves in a pretty good spot we know it's going to be a hard-fought battle of course Sidney crosby uh always front and center in games in philly the Hmm. flyers fans do not like Sidney crosby they serenade him throughout Uh, we mentioned the eagles super bowl championship parade Included fans with the anti-Crosby signs. That's how deep Sidney Crosby is in Flyers fans' heads. Crosby's aware of this, but uh, he said at this point in his career, it's not really a motivating factor. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I just go out there and play. And if there's any extra motivation, I guess you can find it in that. But I don't, I don't feel like I really need any. But I think, uh, you know, the rivalry itself, you know, excluding the, the other stuff, I think is is big enough, and that should get you up for, for most games. Didn't they run a story where they had him on the the front of the paper, and it said like Sid the coward or something? They had like I remember them having those crying baby dolls. They would during the uh, concussion. Yeah, yeah. I think Alexa laughs every once in a while because she remembers when everybody said Claude Giroux was the best player in the world. (laughs) Back to the NFL for a second. Speaking of greedy, the uh, Rams and Chargers are going to begin selling uh, season tickets next week for the new stadium in LA, which is going to open 
in a couple of years. Uh, for the best 13,000 seats in the new facility, the Rams seat licenses begin at $100,000. <laughs> That's for the uh, 500, they're calling them all-access seats. I don't know what those involve. Maybe you get to go in and have a cheeseburger at halftime with the team. Uh, the charge about how the world is flat with golf. The Chargers seat licenses are going to start at $75,000. Rams tickets for uh, premium seats are going to be $375 a game. Chargers tickets are going to be $350 a game. They couldn't pay people to go to Chargers games this year. What if we raise the price? Well, that's for the new stadium, not the soccer stadium. Yeah. That they're having a hard time filling. The uh, $100,000 for a seat license. No way. Philadelphia Daily News in April 2012 had Sid on the cover, The Cowardly Penguin. There it is. And it was, it was the cowardly lion on skates with Sid's head. I remember seeing the visual of that. Couldn't was it, remember the was headline. Was the date on that? 2012, April 2012. Yeah. Remember, the, that series was terrible. Giroux knocked Sid on his ass and then scored a goal. The opening, like, shift, pretty that much. Was game six, right? Think. Yeah. I think I recall that. Ooh, yeah, that and then the wheels fell completely off. Oh, they were off before then. Uh, speaking of wheels off, college hoops yesterday. Notre Dame 67, Pitt 64 in the ACC tournament. Pitt ends its season at uh, 8 and 24 overall, 0 and 18 in the regular season in the ACC and 0 and 1 in the tournament. Did you see the video of embattled head coach Kevin Stallings trying to smash his uh, little board that he draws the plays no. up on during a timeout? And he was unable to do so. He slammed it on his knee and it didn't break. <laughs> so he just kept drawing up another inbounds play. That, if you need a three-second snippet of pitch season, that's it. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Coming up at the top of the hour, Tommy Lee gets punched by his son and another celebrity possibly running for office. We'll talk about that. Rain or snow, depending on where you are today, 40 for the high, it's 35 a DVE. The old two-niner when we come back. Phil Bork on the DVE Morning Show. It's the DVE Morning Show joining us. Via the telephone this morning, he is uh, he's hooked up courtesy of Ma Bell. It's the old two niner. Phil Bork yeah. joining us from the city of yeah. uh, Brotherly Love. How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm trying to uh, geek and dive through uh, Stormageddon, which is uh, sweeping up the coast here. But uh, we have a little hockey game going here tonight in uh, yeah, the city of Brotherly Love. Huh. <laughs> Borky, I understand Pittsburgh's hate for Philadelphia. I've, I've lived on both ends of the Commonwealth. But I, I got a question for you. Are we better when the Flyers are competitive and this game means something? Are we in a better place when that's the case as it is tonight? Before I answer that, do you really understand, Mike? Oh, yeah, I do. I do. No, do you really understand the hatred that we have for the Flyers? I do. 
Good. I'm glad you do. <laughs> because that's what makes it so great. It's it's all in the context. Listen, I got two little kids, and I don't like when they use the word hate. That's a pretty strong word. But in the context of sports, in the context of hockey, in the context of cross-state rivals, God, we hate the Flyers. And to answer your question, yes, absolutely. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's a long time. The Flyers. Yeah, but you don't, you don't really get really any had, you don't get anything out of it when they stink, right? You want to beat them when they're good and really piss them yeah, off. Yeah, man, right? I mean, there's always a satisfaction <laughs> when you're able to to mop the ice with the Flyers. I mean, obviously. Um and and they've had their way with us. They've had a couple games when they've caught us too, and that's that's fine. That's what makes it the back and forth. It can't just be a one-sided thing. Because uh, they have some pretty good hockey players, too. And I was always taught to respect my opponent but not respect them too much. But with that being said, yeah, this is a big game, man. When you look at not only uh, where they are in the standings separated by one point, but you have to, in the back of your mind, thinking, man, we got them tonight and we got them one more time in our barn later in March. And this really could be the first-round matchup. So, yeah, it means a lot. Uh, Jari probably going to be in net tonight. Probably. How does he react to the uh, to the Philly insanity that is uh, sure to ensue tonight? Been here, done that, Randall. He was here uh, back in January, and he beat them, their Flyers. But uh, aren't they different now than they were back in January? Aren't things um, a little different for them now? Aren't they more assuredly? Like, they, yeah, they, they, it, there was a question mark with them. No, fair enough. Fair enough. They went on a, a serious run. They're on a slide right now. They've lost three in a row, but they were on a, a big time run where they uh, were ten zero and two in twelve games, kind of right before this slide. So, yeah, they were feeling their oats um, earlier in February, uh, and they've come down to earth a bit. They're going to get a big lift. Wayne Simmons, the Wayne train, is going to be back in the lineup for them. So they'll get a big lift uh, from him. He's got uh, twenty goals, half of them on the power play. Uh, and you know he's an he's an emotional player. He's a physical player. They'll get him back in the lineup. The thing uh, the we you know, and I, I've always said this: you're only as strong as your weakest link. And I look at the Philadelphia Flyers, and I I don't think their defense defensive core is all that in the bag of chips. I, I understand that Shane Gosses Bear is a, is a really good player, but a smallish player and a more of an offensive player. Uh, and and Peter Mrazek is now in goal. Is Brian Elliott? Uh, is is out of the lineup, and uh, Peter Morazic is a goaltender that when he's hot, he's really hot, but when he's cold, man, he is ice cold. So that just kind of adds to all the drama and speculation of what could happen to, in tonight's game. Borky, what were you thinking? The Pens are coming off that debacle in Boston, eight goals allowed, and then the Islanders game opens the way it does. What were you thinking yeah. about uh, young Tristan Jari right about then, and what have you seen from him? since that well uh yeah the way things started uh i don't know if i've seen anything like that before uh with tristan jari just kind of you know doing the old dorothy and clicking the heels there and going down it was uh it was, it was, a, it was a strange a strange event but you know you know what i didn't know about tristan jari i found out very quickly that this is a real competitive kid and at times he can kind of come off as that, you know, surfer dude, skateboarder kid, you know, that uh, is just kind of floating along in life uh, because he really has this nonchalant attitude about him. But I think that kind of adds to the balance he has and having a goaltender's mentality that uh, it's, you know, the old duck philosophy, you know, where you, you see the calmness up top and underneath the legs are churning. 
And I think he has a, a fire that burns really hot when it comes to his compete level. And the way that he was able to bounce back, you know, goaltender's an interesting position. As much as you're playing a team game, you're kind of in your thoughts. You're by yourself a lot. You know, whether play's going on, after a goal is scored, you know, you might get a tap from your teammates. But then for that next little moment, you're by yourself a lot. Where you got to figure things out. You don't have a coach. You don't have a teammate. You don't have anybody around you. And I think the way that he was able to right the ship after giving up that back goal and then battle back, and what I loved even more, Mikey, is Mike Sullivan rewarded him uh, with that game by putting him in the right in the next game, uh, and uh, I thought he responded uh, in spades. Borky, what do you think of the uh, the current lineup with Simone in there on a line with Broussard and Kessel and uh, Ruido on defense? I like it, Craig. I like everything. I like that he flip-flopped uh, Patrick Hornquist and Brian Rust. You know, the Hornies up with Sid and Rusty's with Geno. Um, I see that uh, Jake Gensel's getting his game back in form, playing up there with Sid. And I think Dominic Simone, you know, it's it's one of those things with Simone, you give him a little, and when he stumbles, you bring him back, and you send mm-hmm. him down. Then you give him a little more, you call him up, you give him a little more confidence. And uh, he's brought a nice balance to that line. You can see Derek Broussard is starting to round into form also and kind of feel his way through what it's like to be a Pittsburgh Penguin uh, and the style that we play. Because there's no teams that play more of a different style than the team that he came from, the Ottawa Senators, and your Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think uh, that fourth line has been pretty good, too. It, it can be better. Um, I think Connor Sheary's still searching for his game. Let's just be patient with Connor because he's a good hockey player and he's kind of lost his way a little bit. But I think that fourth line with Kuhnhockel and Shahan, uh, I, I like what Sully's done with the four lines, and I like what he's done with the deep pairings also. Uh, Borky, 15 games left for the Penguins, eight of those against uh, Metropolitan teams. How much will Sully be stressing the importance of winning the uh, the division here going forward? Not a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um, they never talk about it. They know where everybody sits in the stands. Uh, in the standings, I should say, um, and, and they, you know, you have to be careful for what you wish for. And any good team I've been on has never tried to position themselves to play one team or another team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to be playing your best, and that's that's kind of the focus. And uh, where you know Sully does a really good job of keeping the guys dialed into the moment, the game, the the shift, the period, and. Uh, and not looking too far ahead because when you get caught doing that and kind of peeking up a little bit and staring at, at oh geez, you know, if we beat these guys and these guys, maybe we play these guys and all that. I, would they love to win the the Metro? Absolutely, and and I think that would just be a byproduct of playing your best hockey. I don't think you should kind of dangle that of we want to win the Metro, we want to be number one in the Metro. I don't I don't think that's kind of in Sully's uh, persona. I think it's more of let's win the next game, and when we do that, check the box, and let's win the next game. And where the chips fall, let them fall. You going to Pat's for lunch today, Borky? Uh, I actually went to uh, Pat's last night. You are and, the man. Uh, not I... feeling that good this morning. <laughs> <laughs> You're Pat's, not Geno's, though? I'm Pat's, not Geno's, yes. Yeah. It's the yeah. two-nighter. Of course he's Pat's. Geno's is for tourists. Is that what you're trying yes. to say, Mike? Well, rookies most people are tourists, tourists yeah. you know. Yeah, rookies too. Yeah. Uh, what's the one on? Uh, is it Joe's? Isn't that the other one? I don't know. There's yeah, one that the the millennials are trying to force feed into the mix. That uh, <laughs> I'm 
given the Heisman. <laughs> the millennials. Uh, Phil Bork, the old two-niner. Hear him alongside Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Lang on our brother station, 105.9, the X, your home of the Pittsburgh Penguins on your radio dial. Borky, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Oh, thank you. Crow, Randall, Valerie, and Michael, I enjoyed our time together, and this was good hockey talk. I'm Benson. It's 36 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Sport Clips. An alternative newspaper in Oregon reports a woman filed a sexual assault complaint against billionaire Mark Cuban nearly seven years ago. The woman reportedly told police in 2011 that Cuban groped her under her clothes when they posed for a picture in a Portland bar. The woman said she asked to take a picture with the NBA owner who was in Portland for a game between the Mavericks and the Trailblazers. Cuban has denied the accusation, and the district attorney said there was not enough evidence to file charges at the time. Did you uh, read the account of what he's accused of doing? No. No. It is well beyond... Groping? Yeah. It's a full-on, he shoves his hands down her pants. Whoa. And it goes further. Mm -hmm. And the pictures make it look like that's exactly what's happening because she's reacting like someone took like 10 pictures at once. And she's like, whoa, like, you know, starts out posing. And then, yeah. And I, yeah, he, I've heard stories about him doing stuff when he was here in Pittsburgh. I know he snapped one of my friend's bras. And she was like, are you effing kidding me? So, you know, he might see that stuff as kind of playful, but um, mm-hmm. hey, that's assault. McDonald's says it's going to start putting fresh beef in its quarter pounders. The fast food company says starting in May, it's switching from frozen beef to fresh in the quarter pounders in every U.S. restaurant except Hawaii and Alaska. I would be nervous about that. Why is that? A lot more chance for there to be foodborne illness and fresh stuff than there is in frozen, I think. The switch does not apply to Big Macs and regular burgers, though. McDonald's USA president says the switch to the fresh beef quarter pounder is the most significant change at the restaurant since the all-day breakfast in 2015. I love the uh, just thinking about like the, the person that goes to McDonald's all the time and doesn't know the meat's frozen. He's like, wait a minute, they're not fresh? Quarter pounder was my go-to, though. What have I been eating? I liked the, double ch- the two cheeseburger meal and the quarter pounder one. Mm. Like, I'd... Vacillate between Quarter the two. Quarter pounder was pretty good. Because it had the real onions on. Yes. Not the little tiny You like them tiny onions. You like them chopped onions. I like the real big pieces. McDonald's onions it's didn't like taste like regular real. onions. They tasted like delicious fast food onions. Like they weren't as oniony. Like they were sprayed with something? Like they had sugar on them. Yeah. Yeah. They were like candied onion. I was more of a, a nugget guy. Love the nugget. The nugget. I could do a 20 piece. No big problem. Fan. I told you guys a couple weeks ago. I do the twenty piece barbecue, one dip, second dip in the honey. It was a it was a two dip process. <laughs> barbecue and ranch is good like that too. Mm, yeah, mm, there you go. Oh, mixing it up. Do they even offer ranch? Is it dipping sauce for I the nuggets? Yeah, yeah. I haven't That's had incredible. Uh, a, a nugget since I saw it's a pink slime. <laughs> I've had so many nuggets after I saw that. <laughs> What and that's when I realized it doesn't matter what it is, it's how it tastes. So you're okay with it, provided it tastes good. I'm not okay with it. I think I was uh, addicted. It's oh. not like you eat it every day. Right. I eat a bunch of I, I mean, most of the food that we consume is not really food, <laughs> if you think about it. Like the amount of chemicals and things that are in our food. Start your own farm, Bill. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean- 
unless you're willing to do that, you're going to eat some stuff that's not really food. Another it's different configurations of corn and corn syrup and whatever. Another that's why I eat four things. <laughs> I found a receipt in an old coat that I was putting to Goodwill. I was like taking it to Goodwill. Mm-hmm. It was a giant eagle receipt. It looked exactly like the receipt I have now. It's like, oh, same stuff. I am boring. Still doing it. Just pretending to be healthy. Another former KISS insider is writing a book about his exploits with the band and a few other acts. Big John Hart, their bodyguard in the glory days, has written a book about his time with them, Iron Maiden, Billy Idol, Prince, and others. Original KISS drummer Peter Chris has endorsed it, saying this guy is the real deal. Hart has self-published the book and is making it available through Pledge Music so he can include all the stories he wanted and not be restricted by a publisher. One of the extras you get by John releasing the book through Pledge Music is an exclusive chapter online not available in the book. For more information, go to BigJohnHartWithAnE.com. It's funny how like the, just the transition from these rock stars and the people that go to see them. Like you go from doing drugs and going to see these shows to buying a book and reading it. (laughs) Remember how crazy we were? (laughs) Yep, I do. (laughs) Now I need my readers. A group of investors is pulling out of a half-billion-dollar deal to buy the Weinstein Company. An agreement was reached last week by the group led by former Obama administration official Maria Contreras-Sweet and billionaire Ron Burkle to buy the movie studio once run by disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein. In a statement, Contreras-Sweet said the deal's been called off because of disappointing information about the viability of completing the transaction, but she left open the possibility of acquiring the studio if it declares bankruptcy. (laughs) Cynthia Nixon of Sex and the City fame is assembling a staff to run for governor of New York. The actress had floated the notion she would seek off, uh, office in the past. New York One is reporting Nixon has tapped Rebecca Katz and Bill Hires for her team, both veterans of New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio's first campaign. A spokesperson says no final decision has been made and Nixon has not officially declared her candidacy. Should she enter the race, she would be poised to challenge Governor Andrew Cuomo in this September's Democratic primary. Nixon played Miranda on Sex in the City. Mm. Tommy Lee came up on the short end of an altercation with his 21-year-old son, Brandon, at Tommy's Calabasas, California home on Monday night. TMZ reports police were called, but no arrests were made. He was taken to the hospital for bloody lip, which seems like a wussy thing to do. Afterwards, Going he to said, the hospital for a bloody lip. I, yeah. I stubbed my toe, 911. need to go to the emergency room. My heart is broken, he said. You can give your kids everything they could ever want in their entire lives and they can still turn against you. Brandon reportedly claimed he acted in self-defense, but Tommy tweets, Hey, TMZ, maybe get your facts straight before you go reporting bleep. My fiancé and I were in bed when my son busted into the room and assaulted me. I asked him to leave the house and he knocked me unconscious. He ran away from the police. That's the truth. Mm -mm. So if this kid knocked him out with one punch, then... Tommy's a big puss. Pretty tough. (laughs) Brandon is Tommy's oldest of two sons with Pam Anderson. And Tommy's other ex-wife, actress Heather Locklear, is checking into a treatment facility. E! News says she checked herself into a facility after being arrested for domestic violence. 
Locklear was arrested late last month after her boyfriend called police over a domestic disturbance. A police spokesperson says Locklear was uncooperative and battered responding officers. She was arrested for felony domestic violence. The 56-year-old has been in rehab five times. Rain or snow today, 40 degrees for the high. It's 35 at DVE. All right, it is our St. Paddy's Day contest. Get your shamrocks off. You submit a limerick, and you could get the whole weekend of partying set up for you. The winner of our contest gets two nights hotel downtown, Uber gift cards to drive you around all weekend long. You get to ride in the parade in the DVE Schultz Ford parade truck with Sean Casey. Me and Bill will be there. Val's up in the air. Mike's up in the air. Your game time decision? No, I'll make the decision before that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll probably come. All right, uh, so you hang out with the morning show. Sean Casey uh, will be with us, too. Who better to hang out with than the Irish, Casey the Irishman? And So you'll be in the nobody. parade. The answer is nobody. Throwing beads and stuff like that. I know you're not allowed to throw stuff, but we're throwing stuff. Up. Yes, Sean Casey will underthrow <laughs> a lot of beads. <laughs> uh, and um, then you're whisked over to the Hard Rock Cafe for VIP accommodations for corned beef and curry show during the afternoon. Keep the party going. Then Uber straight over to the Rex Theater. Well, you will you'll be the guest MC <laughs> for the for the bastard bearded Irishman. By the way, they're down in New Orleans right now. The Irishman, which I think Pre-gaming. is hilarious. Um, you'll be the guest MC for their album release party at the Rex Theater on St. Patrick's Day, which is pretty cool. You get to go up on stage, and uh, I'm sure, knowing the Irishman, I'm sure they're going to incorporate you in more than just uh, a uh, introduction. And there might be somebody out there thinking, well, I'm going to be too drunk by then. Don't worry. The band will be drunk as you'll well. You'll fit right yes. in. Permani Brothers is going to set you up with all of your late night grub, and you go back to your hotel downtown, kegs and eggs in the morning, whatever you want to do. It's all taken care of. The ultimate party weekend for St. Paddy's Day. One of the biggest parades in the country. Do it in style. Get your shamrocks off. Send us your limerick, and you could win. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is brought to you by Panhandle Cleaning and Restoration. The Penguins in Philadelphia tonight to take on the Flyers. 8 o'clock on Rivalry Wednesday. You know, normally we make fun of that. I think uh, this applies. But, but there are this just so few actual. instances where it does. Yeah. And that's why. But this is a pretty good application. This and is a real rivalry. Mike Lang said yesterday Edzo is going to be back on the TV broadcast, so. Nice. 105.9, the X has it for you on the radio, as always. Devils beat the Canadians 6-4 to last night, and the Caps lost in Anaheim 4 to nothing. So it's Washington with 81 points, Pittsburgh with 80, Philadelphia with 79, and New Jersey with 76 in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, I like it better when the Pittsburgh-Philadelphia games mean something. The, the Flyers need to be competitive for this to really be totally agree. juicy. I like when the Browns are good. Yeah, good, great example. It's is it is everybody not bored with Steelers Browns games by now? They're just a waste of time, right? Yep. And and this although they almost beat us twice last season, <laughs> but they didn't. <laughs> but they but didn't. they did. No matter what happens, that's they the don't. end result. Right? Yeah. Uh, this is, people have been looking forward to this Pens Flyers game. I think all week, and uh, they should be. That's going to be fun stuff tonight. Uh, I would presume that Tristan Jari will get the start again in net based on uh, how well he's done the last couple of times out. 
Uh, we talked with the old 2-9er last hour about Jari, and Borky mentioned his kind of, what do you say, California surfer dude, cool that uh, he exhibits, mm-hmm. how, how unflappable Jari seemingly is. And uh, Mike Sullivan has noticed that as well. He has compared Jari to Matt Murray in that instance. With the guys that we have in goal, there's a there's a demeanor that uh, that's just innate. That's part I think part of their personality that that helps them be the goaltenders that they are. That's not to say that uh, that that there aren't goaltenders that are really intense and, and are, are volatile emotionally that that aren't really good as well. I think uh, I think it's really about being true to yourself. But one of the things we really like about Tristan and and Matt has has similar attributes is is just the the, the calm demeanor that they have. Because of that, I think they have the ability to settle the team down in front of them when they make a timely save and um, and, and they make a lot of difficult saves look easy uh, because they read the play well and the puck they, they let the game come to them and the, and the puck hits them uh, and so they they don't they don't have to make a whole lot of highlight real saves uh, because they read the play play well. They're both intelligent goaltenders. That's it's a good point he makes. Uh, emotional and volatile work for Mark Andre Fleury for a long time, but at the same time, you didn't hear guys usually talk about Fleury the way they did Murray last year Mm-mm. when he got back in. In terms of boy, he just calms the whole team down. We just relax when we see Matt back there. He's it, a rock. The team can feed off that. I don't think they're there with Jari yet because he doesn't have the track record. He might have the same deportment as Murray, but nobody trusts him. He's going to have to do a lot more stuff before uh, they'll be saying that about him as well. And in the meantime, Sullivan said that uh, while he wants Jari to be calm, too calm is not what the Penguins are after. Well, the, the discussion I have with Tristan all the time is there's a fine line between poise and nonchalance, and uh, and and I think that's part of uh, that, that's part of Tristan's personality where we want him to be poised, but we certainly don't want him to be nonchalant, and and uh, and so you know we have those discussions weekly with with Tristan. That's an aspect of his game that we're trying to help him grow, is just that bringing that certain level of intensity to um, to his approach every day that's going to help him continue to, to be the goaltender that, that we think he's all capable of becoming. He really showed me something after that Islanders game. Or I should say after that first goal in the Islanders game. Because the Boston thing was a mess for everybody involved. Yep. Uh, and then the right out of the gate the hmm. next time you give up one like that. That took some getting over, I'm sure. And uh, Jari just handled it. Now, they played really well in front of him against the Islanders. He didn't have to be Superman. But he only gave up one goal the rest of the way in a game that went into overtime, and they won. And then against Calgary the other night, I thought he was – well, clearly he was good enough to win. Uh, He made some tough saves. He was under siege at times. There was a lot of chaos around the crease. He got run into uh, physical contact. Uh, He looked like an NHL goalie to me against the Flames. And uh, if he didn't crack after what happened against the Islanders, then I suspect he's not going to. And this is a big deal if you can get solid net minding out of that guy because we're in a playoff race and and you don't want to rush Murray back into the lineup. And one of those guys, either Jari or DeSmith, they they need to play well now and they need to give the team some confidence in case they have to turn to them for whatever reason in the postseason. And, uh, you know, still time to, to work that out. 
Pens at the Flyers tonight at 8 o'clock. Le'Veon Bell got the franchise tag placed upon him by the Steelers yesterday in advance of the NFL's 4 p.m. deadline. Bell is poised to make $14.544 million for the 2018 season. That unless the sides can come to terms on a long-term agreement, which they've been trying to do since this time a year ago and have not been able to do so. Uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, speaking in an interview that was uh, posted by Billboard magazine yesterday uh, talked about the situation uh, and what he might or might not do. Quote, if I sign, everybody be happy. But if not, I guess I got to play it by ear. If I'll be out till week one, if I'll be out till week 10, or if I'm going to be out there at all. It depends on how I feel at the time and moment. So he's, uh, he's threatening uh, not playing at all in an effort to get the Steelers to come up a little higher from where they were, which last year was a five-year deal that averaged $13.3 million a season. Uh, Le'Veon Bell wants what he wants. The Steelers are determined to only pay him what they think he is worth. And I, I got to tell you, it's gotten pretty intense. You know, Le'Veon's got the rap career to fall back on. And uh, <laughs> it's gotten pretty intense. Even face-to-face negotiations between Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers' chief negotiator, Omar Khan. You think you're so cool, don't you? Just once, I would like to hear you scream. Play some rap music. <laughs> the little cheap shot by Omar there bringing up yeah. the rap stuff, you know. Let's keep it keep it professional, guys. Play keep, I Got the Juice. Keep it on the field. No more Ed Hockley next year. He's retiring. That's along, right. Along with Jeff Triplett. What are we going to do without... 48-second explanations of offsides. He has retained management. He is going to be uh, making a lot of money. He's. I think he's going to be... Being an arms dealer? What is he doing? He's bringing, yeah, he's bringing the guns to the gun show. Cross now he's gonna by do, the defense. I'm telling you, he's going to do television. He's going to uh, do public speaking. That guy's going to make a ton of money. He already does. He's a pretty big-time lawyer in Arizona. Open up a bunch of gyms. Number 78. Came across the neutral zone and into the backfield before the center moved the football into the quarterback's hands and the play began. Therefore, it did not start the way it's supposed to start. So we will, but you know, just you, say freaking encroachment. Do you think he's on drugs? Hey, no, he's just yeah. roids. No doubt, right? Oh, he's definitely on the be. gas. Hey, our friend Bill Burr is coming to town April sixth. Tickets available at the Benningham Center box office, trustarts.org. Old Billy Freckles. Oh, yeah. Here's Bill talking about something we were discussing earlier this morning, Coco the Gorilla, the talking gorilla with Mr. Rogers. Here was uh, Bill Burr's take on that. Lady Down to Sue, she taught this gorilla how to do sign language, okay? And I don't just mean like hello and goodbye, like literally phrases. This thing could like, like talk about its emotions. They were actually conversing. The gorilla's sitting there talking to her. Oh, my God, you look a little upset today. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm kind of sad. And they're just talking. So immediately, like, my brain just went crazy. I was like, oh, my God, she's talking to a gorilla. I love gorillas. Who doesn't want to talk to a gorilla? And then without thinking that my wife is sleeping, I just blurted out, ask it how much it can bench. Ask it how much it can bench. <laughs> my wife, like, pops up. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, look at this, look at this. She's talking to a gorilla. And we, we both just got sucked into this thing, right? So long story short, she's sitting there, she's talking to this gorilla, and one day she decides to get a little kitten, a little kitty cat, right? And immediately I'm thinking like, don't get it a cat. 
It's a gorilla. It's gonna twist the thing's head off, throw the body over there, play with the head for a while, sniffing it and stuff, and then later it's gonna walk over, set the head down next to the body, and wonder why the whole thing's not getting up again. Because it's a gorilla. It's a wild animal. Wild animals don't have pets, right? It's kill or be killed out there. That's it. They don't have little parakeets on their shoulders. <laughs> Bill Burr, April 6th, Benningham uh, uh, Center, Benningham Theater, whatever the hell it's called. I think it's Center. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Stanley Theater. Get your tickets now for Bill Burr, April 6th. I'm EX. Yeah, it's the DVE Morning Show. And joining us right now is the world's biggest Mike, Michael Schenker fan. From... X of UFO, now with the Michael Schenker Group. He's at the Carnegie MSG. Music Hall in Homestead tonight. Does he ever pull a David Dowdle code? Does he ever do a freak out and like just quit the show in the middle of it? Yeah, I, he, I was at the last show I ever played with UFO because he would do that frequently with UFO and end tours prematurely by just throwing a, a wobbly on stage. So I went to England to try to beat the rush very early in the 2000 tour. I saw him in Newcastle, England, and it was the most brilliant live UFO show I've seen to date. And then the next night, because of an altercation he had backstage with the singer's nephew, he attempted to punch the singer out on stage during the show, and then everybody just gave token effort the rest of the performance, and uh, it was the last show Schenker ever played with UFO. But I was glad to see it because he had blown up so many times, it was kind of cool for me as a lifelong UFO mm -hmm. fan to be at the very last one. Do, you, do they have a Lady of the Dukes, uh, Progies, in uh, Newcastle, England? Is that just no, here? no, it's a different Newcastle. They pronounce it Newcastle. They they have Newcastle Brown though. They the brown ale. Yes, that's where it's. Do you like brown ales? No, I don't. Why not? They're too brown. You like light <laughs> beer. Yes, I do. I like Coors Light, my favorite beer. That is your favorite beer. Yes. You've been a loyal Coors Light drinker for a long time. For a long time, even before they, they you know became a sponsor. If you, how how many can you put back in a single well, setting? See, that's the key. Yeah. The key with, with Coors Light is you can get like five down your neck in eight minutes if you want to. <laughs> now, that's no longer as useful to me as it once was, but, but right. at one time. You find you don't drink as much because of the hangover, or you just don't drink as much? I'm just tired of drinking. Yeah, did it enough. How about you? Um, nah, yeah, I don't drink as much as I used to, yeah, but I, I, I when I do, hangovers. I, I can, yeah, it's hangovers are the d if, deterrent. If, if, if I feel the need to get impaired at all, these days I drink Tito's and, and a citrus beverage because it's just easier. Yeah. You don't get bloated, you don't. I don't think you feel as bad the next day. I can do Tito's and soda and uh, stay standing yeah, all night. If, I can stay pretty steady on yeah, those. Drink, what if like, you're drinking for nine hours? Well, then, then, then maybe beer's a better idea. But I can drink like four double Tito's and say cranberry or orange or grapefruit, and you know, get a decent buzz and not feel bloated and horrible the next day. If marijuana were to be legalized recreationally in Pennsylvania, would you consider becoming a marijuana smoker? That's a, a really good question. I, I don't know. Is it only the legality of it that keeps you from doing it now? It's it's that it, well, I wouldn't say only, but but the most difficult thing about smoking marijuana now to me is procuring it. Right. Well, you know, although sure. not in the office I share with the. <laughs> you were shumming down. Come to think of it, what? Yeah. what a, why am I not smoking pot all the time? I don't know. You probably you you are. You just don't. Just know ask it. if you can keep some of his pocket lint. You know that never that never occurred to me to this moment. Like I'm here saying, well, procuring it would be. Wait a minute. What about this guy at the other desk? I find that like some of the folks who are getting <laughs> older and uh, now live in uh, areas where it is recreationally legal, uh, that um, once people understand dosage, I think the problem is people go, "Oh, I got high one time in college, and I was so stoned, I can't, I couldn't, you know, 
get off the couch and I had a panic attack and all this stuff. And I always tell people, well, you know, uh, did you ever drink so much that you got sick and you were blotto and hung over the next day? Well, what did you do the next time you drank? You drank less. Right. You know, it doesn't have not to necessarily. Well, you don't have to be totally blotto. I just think well, it's a way I, for people who want to stop drinking. I think going forward, much like it's going to and has been proven to tackle the opioid crisis, that that is going to be a thing that a lot of people go to. Well, if you'd like full disclosure, I got high a lot when I worked in wrestling. All the wrestlers get high. Yeah. Well, well I, don't know all... they, I don't know if they still do, but back then it was, you know, pretty prevalent. Is it pain, pain management or what, 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 or they just they just like to the, the buzz? Just, just like the buzz. I mean, like I, oh. I got high. Like when I did TV on Monday night, we had a production meeting like at twelve thirty or so, and so I'd get out of there, get high with a couple of the boys right away, and you know, then take a nap because they wouldn't let you leave the building. They didn't trust you to come back if you left the building. Uh-huh. So you had literally like six and a half hours to kill before TV, mm-hmm. and really, you know, four hours before you even thought about preparing. So that sure. was a way to. Kill the time, relax, and then take a nap. Now and the then e- eat a lot. Yeah. Now, did you ever do the edibles? You ever had the edibles? No. The edibles, well, now that they've, once again, where people are figuring out what dosages work best for them, I think a lot of people are finding that those are a nice light uh, a way to approach things. Yeah, but, things. but like when, when I used to get high, I liked the ceremony of it. You know you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I, no, I that's people... all gone. Eating a gummy bear is not quite as ceremonious <laughs> as hash under a glass. Yes, ex- exactly right. That's well put. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pens tonight and uh, the Flyers. The hated enemy. Yeah, you know, Bill reminded us earlier when the the Philadelphia, boy, the... Daily News. Daily News put Sid the Coward, the cowardly penguin, penguin on their cover in 2012. I mean, that was, you know, he's won a couple of cups since then. Well, Philadelphia sucks. The city sucks. The Flyers <laughs> suck. They haven't won a cup since 1975. Mm-hmm. They posture like they're still relevant. Right. They used to call themselves the seventh team in the original six. Mm-hmm. They've drifted so far from that dubious honor sure. that it's pathetic. And they, they are having a decent season. Uh-huh. But why, why are you just saying, yeah, uh-huh? No, I'm I'm with you. That's kind of... I. I you're kind of like busting my. Oh no, I'm not trying to be patronizing. I'm I'm, I'm 100 with Are you. You sure? Because the... I've heard you be patronizing. No, I'm to a... me on no, this show. No, right? No, I would tell you if I was being patronizing. See, now I'm not sure what to say. <laughs> uh, like Giroux's having a good year. Wayne Simmons comes back tonight. He yep. he is a real he is a, a real <laughs> weapon against the Penguins. So, but they have no goaltending and and their defense is very suspect. I give them credit for having a good season. Right. A lot of. A lot of it's based on loser points because they have 11 loser points. But, you know, I I just hate them. I absolutely hate the Flyers. I mean, I don't think a regular season game means too much, but it would still be great to see them win, particularly as there's a traffic jam at the top of the Metro. And, you know, even though I don't think finishing first or getting home ice is important, you'd still rather do it. Don't you think that the Steelers players this past season really screwed up by not Better supporting Le'Veon Bell's rap career. That, that's all I think about. Yeah. Yes. Well, at least Juju's trying to get Braun on the Steelers. Mm-hmm. It'd be the fourth B, you know. Killer, a lot of killer Bs. Yeah, Ben, Bell, Brown. He, he, uh, for whatever reason, he's not counting Bince. No, well, none of us do. And, then, and, and I hope someday <laughs> that becomes official. Right. And uh, Braun. Right. Uh, you know, Mike Pursuta... He's right said, Yeah. ...said that Juju Smith-Schuster was going to become an ass. Did you say that on the I'm air? I'm in the room. Pardon me? I'm in the room. Yeah, I know right, you are. right over there. <laughs> well, no, I'm crediting you. I thought it was a nice third-person type of thing oh, to do. Okay. But but was it? did you say on the air about week three that Juju was on his way to becoming a horse's ass? No, uh, you didn't say it on the air. Not on the air. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for outing him. But now that you... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, he, yeah, I think there there yeah. is the consensus, oh, he is. Yeah. the consensus of the media ass. that's there all the day sees a different juju. Yeah. I think we've heard that before. 
Well, I, I, I see him from afar, and I think he's a horse's ass. I See, I love Juju. Why? I'm not going to let you taint my Juju. Wait. <laughs> Hold on a second. Well, but um, I, I will. I do want to thank Le'Veon Bell, though. Because? Because this is all just talk show gold. It really is. You can go with it all day, every day, and people never get tired of it. Although, I think that, that if they offered him $13.3 million, that's too much, and he should hasten to take it. He uh, should have taken the deal last year. Yes, if, absolutely. If they sweetened it, which he claimed they did, right? If then he is an absolute moron if he doesn't take that much guaranteed money in a sport which has proven that the deterioration uh, of performance in his position is unavoidable. And in his case, probably imminent given the workhorse nature of his statistics. And he smokes pot one more time, he's suspended, and he's definitely going to smoke pot again. He's doing it as we speak, And so you are percentage points away, and so this for him is not about being financially smart, it is about status, which is the dumbest thing he can do. Well, and he thinks he can rap. Okay, have you heard him rap? Let him go play for a 5-11 team, Mike. Well, no, let him rap, because that would be just as depressing and defeating, because he stinks. And he doesn't understand that the minute he's not a football player, no one cares about him as a rapper. One thing Le'Veon Bell has distinguished himself as in this whole back and forth is really stupid. He's really stupid. Um, he's. I think he's approaching this uh, naively and has the whole time. It, it just backfires on you because you could do no wrong as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Like, you can be a Pittsburgh Steeler for life unless you act like an idiot. I still think... You know, the James Harrison thing, everybody was wondering, the sheer the beard, he came out after playing in the Super Bowl with the Patriots, and he got huge round of applause. I mean, people screaming. Oh, they're not going to boo him in person. Adulation. I, I think, a small yeah, crowd, there's a context the out of issue there, yeah. <laughs> hey, Mark, what are you doing next Wednesday? Why, what's next Wednesday? It's a great steak Sports and debate. potatoes. Sports oh, debate. that's right. Yeah, I, I got it. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, it'll be great. I heard Stan Saverin is back on. Stan is back. Why they, was he off? He, he was, was fired. He was fired from it, and then they apologized and brought him back onto the sports A lot of that debate. going around, I suppose. Yeah. I was wondering how he got out of it. I mean, I was really hoping that they'd find a way to get him on <laughs> well, somehow. It's, it's funny, because when I heard, when I didn't see Stan on the original list, I said, uh, instead of saying, hey, we need to get Stan, I was like, hey, wait a minute. How come he doesn't have to do it? <laughs> <laughs> Membership has its pr- privileges, man. When you, you know, you get to be Stan's tenure. Well, you know, well that that thing's that thing's fun. It's just too long. Trev, am I right? It's the greatest great sports debate that I know of. It's a tequila cowboy next Wednesday. Is there any truth to the rumor that you guys are going to have a mechanical bull off? <laughs> no, not in my case. That's a, Although you know what, my weight would probably slow the bull yeah, down that's, so much would it would make it good. more manageable. Yeah. And then I could go outside and lie right. down and talk. Yeah, Bailey's you'd be like ogre in line. Revenge of the Nerds. You could just stand on top of it with a pitcher of beer <laughs> and, and spit beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is Todd Haley's chalk outline still on the sidewalk outside? <laughs> no, I think the rain washed it away. <laughs> well, put it there again because yeah, we we're going to be there back. next Wednesday. All right, that's Mark Madden. Uh, you can listen to him afternoon, and you can see Michael Shecker tonight. I think some tickets are still available. You're not going to watch the Penguins Flyers. You're going to go see Michael Shecker. Tape it. Watch it right after. Tape it. You have a VCR. Uh, yeah, they one of those DVR things. Oh those, yeah, them newfangled things. Everyone says tape it, but yeah, you know, just yeah. The well, yeah, that's right for old people. I don't know what else to say though. Oh, would you still go to I'm a Mac DVR machine? It. You go to a Mac machine? Yes. What, 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 sure. what, it's an ATM, right? Yeah, I but mean, do like, you call it a Mac machine? Yeah, Money Access Center. Yeah, right, exactly. That was what it was originally. Yeah. I mean, Money Access Center. I know the you, guy who invented that. Who? who? Michael uh, Shaker? <laughs> no, he just cleaned them out. Yeah. Cause he was, uh, yeah. There, there's a guy, Michael Shaker, I want to point out. 
I think he's one of the five greatest rock guitar players ever. Who are the other four? Four G- other guys. Jimmy Page. <laughs> Eddie Van Halen, Jimi Hendrix, okay. and somebody else. Right. But uh yeah, good documentary. But uh but I, I, he's you know playing small halls with kind of a like tonight, he he's worked with four lead singers in his solo career. They're all on tour with him to to faithfully replicate the songs. Who cares about that? Just play the guitar. But Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's like Jerry Weintraub keeping his wife's he had, you know, he had he had cheated on his wife and got married to another chick, and then he brought his old wife back, and he's like, you know what? Were you guys cool with just the both of you? And they were like, yeah. He's the Michael Shanker of, uh, or Michael Shanker's the Jerry Weintraub of. <laughs> I believe that's how tonight's show is built. Yes, exactly. It's not legal, you know, having two wives. Oh. What's the penalty for having two wives, Mike? Having two wives, Randall. Yeah, well, that's real that. big of me. <laughs> oh, jeez, the dad jokes won't stop. I was just staring at the ceiling. I missed it the last time. I was cutting uh, tape when you guys talked about. That I like story. how we're all wearing these like our alternative headsets because all of our headphones <laughs> broke. No, these like, are my same ones. Huh? No, me and Val. By the way, one of your ears doesn't work either on uh, your headset. I never noticed. <laughs> Does it work in real life? I don't know. Well, we should. <laughs> we could clap. Do you hear this? <laughs> well, there may be a problem. Boy, we slowed down at the end today, didn't we? Yeah. It was going so good. I know. It's my fault because I extended it. The dad jokes will yes. bring you down I know. every time. Three hours a day, three till six on the end. I'm finished. <laughs> you stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.